Welcome, everybody. This is episode 13 of The Readers on the Wall. We got me, Brooke Madison, here, and we are going to be discussing the next three chapters in A Game of Thrones with you guys. Those chapters contain cha uh, it's chapters 45 to 47, and we are reading Eddard 12, Danny 5. We get to go back to Danny, which is really nice, and Eddard 13. And just as a general comment across these, this is like when Grimm puts his foot on the gas and we're off to the races. I mean, yes. this is when the, you know, we, we've kind of been building up this whole thing, especially with Ned. Ned's really the focus right now in the books. And we're building this whole thing up. He's trying to figure all these mysteries. There's these schemes. There's these plots. There's all these people in King's Landing. And this is when he pushes the big red button. And it's like, all right. Everything that we've been building up for, this is when we get to actually examine it, and then it all goes to shit. <laughs> shit is hitting the fan. Yeah, it is. Exactly what happens. In the worst kind of way. It is, it is pretty <laughs> tough. Um, okay, well, here, why don't we start in Eddard 12. This is chapter 45. Shit is hitting and, the fan. Yes, <laughs> and this is the chapter where... Um, what happens in this chapter? Let me think. Oh, yeah. So this is the chapter where Ned meets with Cersei in the Godswood, and he, they basically, I don't know, Cersei basically, like, lays it all out for Ned. And <laughs> Ned offers, you know, gives her a chance to, like, hey, get the kids and get out of here, or else you're probably going to be dead. And I would say this is a pretty heavily discussed chapter, especially in terms of the question of, did, did, did Ned do the right thing here? Was he was he an idiot doing this? Was it yeah. a smart thing to do? Was it an honorable thing to do? So on and so forth. And I'm sure, I, I, I doubt we'll end up talking about that. We'll probably just raise it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if we get to it. <laughs> if we get to it. Whatever. But why don't we start at the very beginning, because that is a very good place to start. <laughs> um, so. Ned is, uh, let's see, so Maester Pycel is uh, hanging out with Ned and kind of doing some treatment on him. His leg is still pretty shattered up, still is uh, going through a lot of pain and things like that. And I, I, when I read this, um, Pycel is basically like, what does he say? He says something along the lines of like, da, da, da. oh, he says, uh, there was a raven this morning, a letter for the queen from her lord father. I thought you, I thought you had best known. And as soon as he said that, I was like, whatever, Pycelle, you're full of shit. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's, it's like, Don't pretend like you're like, looking out for Ned. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there wasn't a single moment that I was like, oh, Pycelle's got Ned's back. And it's funny. Uh, he's like, oh, my leg is still hurting pretty bad. He's like, oh, that's good. That means it's healing. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't. <laughs> it means it's probably getting worse. Like, do you know anything about healing? Like, it should be getting better, not worse. Right. Like, that's bad advice, Pycelle. We do know that he has training in that, but I mean, it could be, um, I don't know, he's getting pretty well, old. Well, but obviously, we know edge. that, like, he's Cersei's lackey, too. So he could be like, well, Cersei, if you'd like, I could try to kill him with secondary infection from the wound. Right? <laughs> and she's like, I mean, give it a whirl. See what happens. I mean, Another well, crime of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that would work because the thing is, it, it A, gets Ned out of the way for Cersei, which is what she wants. Mm -hmm. And two, there's no blame on her. Right. Because it was it's an like, infection. What? He just died from an infection. Like, what? 
Right. That's what I'm thinking because that seems to be her favorite type of like murder plan is, hey, give it a go. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. If it doesn't, we'll just try something else later. Right. Yeah. It's 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 pretty evident throughout the books. Cersei isn't the best when it comes to like plotting and executing it correctly. It's a lot of like, yeah, just you know, just don't help him and maybe that'll work. And it's like, right, Cersei, you're killing me. Yeah, throw um, shit on the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> so yeah, so Pycelle gives that information to Ned. Ned's Ned, Ned actually sees straight through it and he's just like, yeah, whatever, Pycelle. He doesn't say it. But I think I think what happens here is Pycelle is basically sending a message to Ned from Cersei and is like, "Hey, don't forget about Tywin, my big, big yeah. early dad. He'll come beat you up mm-hmm. if you say mean things to me." And um, and and Ned kind of puts up a front right here. Um, he says something along the lines of like, uh, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I let's see. Lord Tywin is greatly wroth about the men you sent after Sir Gregor Clegane, the Mountain." I feared he would. I feared he would be. Uh, you will recall I said as much in council. Let him. Let him be wroth. Let him write all the letters to the queen. Queen he likes. Lord Beric rides beneath the king's own banner. If Lord Tywin attempts to interfere with the king's justice, he will have Robert to answer to. And I think that's just kind of. That's just kind of a front. I, I, at first, I thought, wait, is Ned just kind of tossing this on Robert? He's like, Robert's gonna deal with it. He put enough shit on me that I don't care anymore. But. I, th- I think Ned's just really trying to put up a strong front to like, oh yeah, Robert's still in charge. He'll take care of it. Don't worry about it, Pycelle. I think it's such a silly thing for him to to try because we it's very evident that Robert has no balls when it comes to the Lannister family. So I think it's so funny that Ned is like trying to seem like, to, at least to Cersei, that Robert is going to stand up to him and make sure that the king's justice is had and it's like he, he's not going to stand up to the Lannisters like, not yeah. even a little bit. I feel like at this point he's just stalling he's like I don't know what's going to happen but right now Robert's still gone so I still have that shield of going hey you put me right. in charge we'll talk to him when he gets back well especially because we don't really know the the time between when Sansa said that you know infamous line that gave him the realization that joffrey is not robert's son and this moment we don't know how much time has passed because in this chapter he really starts to contemplate like what do i do with this information how do i proceed forward without Mm -hmm. you know kids Mm -hmm. dying without just everything going to hell i don't want you know he doesn't want a war to break out and right like i'm sure yeah i'm sure I, i kind of agree with you now that you say that he's probably just stalling because he's like, I gotta figure mm-hmm. this out before I right. do anything else. So, and um, I feel like for once he's kind of finally figuring out how to play the game. And again, he doesn't have it down yet, <laughs> but <laughs> no, you can tell no, that he's trying he to start to think outside of his box and go, okay, I'm not in Winterfell. I'm in King's Landing. If I'm going to accomplish anything here, I'm gonna have to do it differently, which. His his smarts end abruptly in a page or two, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I feel like especially with his last chapter and in the very beginning of this one, he you get the idea that maybe he's kind of catching on. Maybe he realizes that like he's going to have to um, adapt a little bit in King's Landing and you know play that play that game. Right, I think he's I think he's kind of thinking steps ahead. You know, yes. If I do X. Mm-hmm. What's go- you know strategically what's, what's scenario one two and right. three is going to happen. 
And yeah, no, because pretty much throughout the you know the previous chapters, it was kind of I'm gonna do X, and we'll see how it works out. Right. I'm just trying to figure out why John Aaron was killed, and he wasn't. Right. I don't. Yeah, I feel like he wasn't thinking steps ahead at that time. Right. So a- after Pycelle heads out, um, he's, he kind of contemplates on what Sansa told told him, and you know he's, he says um, someday when Sansa's grown, he would have to tell her how she had made it all come clear for him. And, and I think that's just kind of reiterating for the reader, like mm-hmm. what connected the dots for him. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's very like, just so you know, like that was a big deal. We're gonna, it's gonna come. <laughs> yeah. Right then uh then little little finger shows up and he's all like oh man i gotta get to a dinner like <laughs> this uh it's lady tanda she's just she's yeah. just, you know just wants to wine and dine me so much oh god my life is so hard <laughs> i'm so popular <laughs> pretty much and then um they kind of discuss what's going on in the realm right now uh little finger tells them that Free riders and cell swords have been flocking to Casterly Rock, and not for and not for the thin pleasure of Lord Tywin's conversation. Um, talks about Robert still on the hunt, and we get a little update. A little update to that. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. Um, I imagine he'll return as soon as he's killed something. They found the White Heart, it seems, or rather, what remained of it. Some wolves found it first and left his grace scarcely more than a hoof and a horn. So, so that White Heart which is a white deer, we discussed that from last uh, in our last discussion, uh, was found by wolves and killed. And this just sends me back to the very, you know, first the first brand chapter where a stag was also was also killed by a wolf. And I wonder if this is just kind of a little reminder from Grimm to be like, "Hey, that meant something and it happened again." <laughs> you know, like we don't mm-hmm. we don't know what happened to the wolf if the stag killed the wolf. Um, I don't. Do you think there's any other meaning behind that, or is it just kind of? Well, we do know some... that. Mm-hmm. Well, the stag killed the wolf in the first one. Well, they both oh, died. Oh, but remember, there is an right. antler right. in the dead mama wolf's carcass. No, yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. What it is? I just, I just realized something. I remember what it is. Um, in the show, they killed each other. In the book, the stag killed the wolf in the beginning, and we don't know what happened to the stag. True. And in this one. Oh, and now yeah. the wolf killed the stag. Yes. So maybe maybe it's sort of a Robert and Ned are basically going to kill each other in a sense based on right. Well, they it's like it's like their downfall. flaws. Their their big their flaws led to each other being killed. Yep. That's yeah. I like that's that. Perfect. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also see. just so, took it as a bad omen too because they had talking about how sure. the white heart was prophetic. So it's just a simple fact that. They didn't. The, mm. the white stag wasn't killed on the hunt. It was killed by something else, and it wasn't a complete hunt. I feel like that's just a bad omen in and itself. Well, right, because yeah, last week we were talking about how the white heart kind of represents spiritual change, um, the build, the the structure of kingdoms, and the, the creation of kingdoms, things like that. And yeah, this probably puts that shadow over it. You know, they went to go find it, and it was dead already. And maybe that's yeah. why nothing good came of it. I mean, I mean, literally right. him chasing after this deer gets Robert, Robert killed. And it basically gets Ned killed. I mean, mm-hmm. Robert mm-hmm. Yeah. At this, at this it was definitely a turning point for a lot of bad things that happened. Yeah. A series of unfortunate events. We say that a lot. <laughs> right. Um, let's see. So, um, so they found the white heart. It's dead. And Robert's, 
pissed off, but he's like, someone's like, hey, guess what? There's a giant boar just kind of hanging around the corner. We can go. You that. love boar. <laughs> you just go boars. I'm curious if um if Lancel, who is is one of his squires, is the one who told him that. As part, I don't know if it was like, because at this point we know that Cersei has talked to Lancel and is like, hey. When he goes out for his hunt, make sure he drinks a bunch of wine. Make sure he's drunk when he goes in to fight. And I can't imagine the, that Cersei planned on the deer being the one who killed Robert. I wonder if Cersei got some information from, I don't know, the locals and was like, hey, like, is there, is there some animal out there who could totally kill my husband? I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't that blunt. But I don't know. It's Once again, this, this whole scheme is very, you, you know, it's, you know, I'm at, I, just imagine Cersei going up to Lance and be like, hey, get him drunk. Maybe something will find him. Maybe something will kill him. Yeah, it's, it's just like, just... maybe it'll happen. Maybe yeah, and I think, right? like, yeah. I, I don't remember which book it is. Maybe maybe in A Feast for Crows. I can't remember. But the information is leaked that the wine that Robert was drinking during this hunt, she made sure that the wine in his skin coming from Lancel was three times stronger than his normal wine. So, right. I mean, one way or the other, if you're that drunk and you don't even realize it, because in your head, you're like, I've only had as much as I normally have. Like, I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. I can handle this. <laughs> um, then a hunting accident is a pretty, I mean, I'm not saying it's a sure bet, but I mean, it's likely to happen. So whether you fall yeah. off your horse and get, you know, mm -hmm. injured, because if even if you just came back injured... We already know she could pretty much ensure that Picel is going to kill him with secondary infection. So right. <laughs> she's like, just bring him back wounded. All I need is wounded. Yeah. I can work just with that. <laughs> just do something. Well, well, especially, I, I wonder if it was more of an emotional decision on Cersei's point, because remember, um, Robert smacked her around really hard. Yep. Right before he went on. This yeah. Point. So I'm curious if that that I'm assuming that was actually like the breaking point, because right. as we learn as we learn I think it's in this chapter where Cersei said Ned asks her like Hey does he still has he hit you before and she's like Yeah but he's never hit me in the face like that and yeah. I wonder if that was you know like Okay he's he's hit this point where he's abusing me in a way that's marked on my face that people mm -hmm. can see it now and I I'm not gonna live with that anymore. So, I don't know. I wonder if it was kind of an emotional breaking point yeah. for her. She's like, All right, well, we already know she's her, looking yeah. for any opportunities she can because she already tried to kill him at the tourney for the hand. Right. Mm -hmm. So, she's just an opportunist. She's always looking for right. a great way to kill that guy. <laughs> and, um, so, so, after we learn that information, we also learn that Joffrey and the Hound and a few other people have come back from the hunt. And this actually gives, let's see, um, da, da, da. it actually gives, um, Ned even, Ned even asks, he's like, has the hound returned? And he's like, yeah, he <laughs> returned with Joffrey and he gets a little nervous about it. Oh yeah. And I was trying to, <laughs> and, it's, and it took me a second to realize why, because basically he was like, Hey, go kill the mountain. And I'm, sh and I'm sure the hound isn't very happy about that. As we know with the hound's history with the mountain, there's definitely some very strong hatred in there. And I'm sure, I'm sure the hound is is very like, look, I'm the one who should be killing him, because of all the shit. Right. And for someone else, thank you. It, I'm sure it's quite an insult. I Ooh. will say it took me a minute too. All of a sudden, I'm like, why would 
what would make him stop that? And I'm like, oh, right. Click angle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's got to happen. It's also, I think it's also just the Hound is a very good swordsman, as we know. And I, I wonder, you know, with them being gone, I'm sure Ned's thinking like, okay, if something, if it comes to force in some way, that's one less skilled swordsman that I'm going to have to deal with. True. So the Hound being back in town, it's like, okay, that's another protector that I have to kind of get put in my head when yeah. I'm calculating things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Joffrey coming back is pretty is a pretty big deal because that puts Joffrey in the hands of Cersei yeah. so that Cersei's plan of hopefully Robert being killed, then she can immediately put Joffrey on the throne and get that yep. image of, hey. That, and then she can just ensure like that he is not caught up in any accident that might happen. Right. You know, because he could be like, well, I want to go with my father. Like, I want to be there when he shoots, you know, when he when he kills the boar. I want to be, you know, because he is kind of like, obviously, like, wants to be in the action and be, come back a big hero, the big man, have a story. And so she might, at that point, be like, you know what, let's get him out of there so he's not caught up in any danger. And also, he'll be handy when, you know, everything goes down. Right. right, that's a good point. You, you, you know, you know what? I, I've I've just, I've already got the image of Joffrey throwing the biggest fit. Tender, temper tantrum. To I don't want to back. <laughs> I will not. Pretty much. I mean, I mean, because we know we know from later books that Joffrey actually kind of looks up to Robert in a way. Mm-hmm. And as we know, Joffrey loves killing things, so it's just like okay, like yeah. that's the that's the combo he likes. He's like he's spending time with his dad, which somehow he enjoys. Because I doubt Robert is a very good father towards him. I and think he, he just seeks his approval. Right, like any kid would. Yeah, right? yeah. That's that's probably what it is. He's, you know, he's, no matter how many times Robert has either hit Joffrey, I don't know. Or blown him off. Or, or, or belittled him. him. Yeah. Or like, belittled like, him. Especially I like, think it's just, yeah. Yeah, because like he, when, um, when the whole situation was going down with Sansa and Lady and, and Arya... Robert was like, you let that little girl beat you. And I can guarantee that was not the first time he said something like that. Right. (laughs) You know? I agree. Yeah. And the thing is, like, he's young enough that I don't think his mind goes to, I don't think, I don't think his mind has a point where it says, you know what? Screw you, dad. I hate you. Not yet. No. No. Not yet. I think he's still in that point where he's like, okay, I did something wrong and I need to find a way to to do something right so that yeah be maybe right. i can yeah. earn his love <laughs> exactly crap are we are we sympathizing are we sympathizing with well i mean <gasps> i i mean maybe if you can if like you can to. chalk up even just a even if you can chalk up just a small percentage of joffrey's terribleness to robert's neglect then i'll i'll give him a, an ounce of um sympathy for that but I think most of it just came from Cersei and Jamie's terrible influence and mm-hmm. and him being always treated like, you know, he was entitled to everything. So I'll give him one tiny speck of compassion for the fact that he's probably just sad that his dad didn't love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than that, he's just a terrible person. So Agreed. So, so after after we get this information from Littlefinger, Littlefinger heads out. Before he heads out, though, he takes a glance at the book that uh, Ned is looking, yeah. is reading, and it's that wonderfully titled book, the classic, uh, the lineage and <laughs> histories of the great house of the seven kingdoms, with descriptions of many high lords and noble ladies and their children. Classic. Such an exciting read. 
Top rated worst title for a book ever. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and uh, he's, I kind of like this, just this quick little um, interaction between them. Now there's a tedious reading. If I ever saw it, a sleeping potion, potion, my Lord. For a brief moment, Ned considered telling him all of it. And then he says, uh, John Aaron was studying this volume when he was taken, taken sick. And then, and then Littlefinger says, in that case, death must have come as a blessed relief. Which, yeah. I, I don't know. I just kind of like that little scenario. Uh, I'm I'm curious. Do you guys think that was the clue to Littlefinger that he's like Ned knows, like Ned now knows, yeah, about the incestuous relationship. Either he thought that Ned might knew now, or he wanted to find out if Ned did know, right? Like trying to goad him into telling him. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, I think I mean Littlefinger knew that he was on the trail. You know, he went. He took him to, you know, the brothels and. Uh, was it? I guess he didn't go with him to the um, armory, Smith. but yeah, that didn't uh, happen. but he knew about all that. So um, I think he already knew he was on the trail. And when he saw the book sitting there, he's like, "He got it." I think. Yeah, right. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was kind of the the final thing that kind yeah. of confirmed. It's a little finger. He's like, "Okay, Ned knows about the incest relationship," and I think Littlefinger is prepping from that second on. Being like, okay, now that he knows what he's going to do with this information, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, Definitely. because the next net chapter that we'll get to at the end at the end of the night, um, that's when he he, you know, makes his move. He talks with Ned about. You know, we'll, we'll get there, but you know, he has this plan. And he's sending, he's putting it forth forth with Ned because of this information that he learns right here. Um, okay, let's see. So, Littlefinger heads heads out, and then. Let's see what happens. What happens? Um, it's just it's just kind of talking about Pycelle being a being a, a terrible person and kind of just the situation <laughs> in general. Um, then he goes goes to sleep, and he does he does he has a he has a, a dream here actually. It's kind of more of like a like a little historical <laughs> little historical dream that I feel like he has quite often. Um, here I can just read it real quick. It says. Yet last night he had dreamt of Rhaegar's children. Lord Tywin had laid the bodies beneath the Iron Throne, wrapped in the crimson cloaks of his house guard. That was clever of him. The blood did not show so, uh, so badly against the red cloth. The little princess had been barefoot, still dressed in her bedgown, and the boy, the boy. And this this is a, this is a historical moment in Robert's Rebellion where when King's Landing was t- was was sacked. Lord Tywin, the Mountain, another character named Sir Amory Lorch, and a few other people, they went in, found Rhaegar's children, and killed both of them, basically. And the, and the son was, was killed quite brutally. And I believe, he was just a, I believe he was just a baby, from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I think the girl was older, but still really little, like five or mm-hmm. four. <laughs> now, little. I, think that, I think it's very important that this dream is placed where it is right before he goes to visit Cersei because this is really the motivation to for him as to why he goes to see Cersei he I mean this is this has got PTSD just written all over it I I wrote that down exactly I'm like no wonder he keeps having all these bad dreams and then he has another one in his next chapter like he has been carrying on like not only a lot of like really heavy um 
instances in his life, like things he's gone through. But he also has this massive secret that he's never been able to talk about that was attached Mm -hmm. to another traumatic experience of watching his sister die. Like he has so much in his life that he's carrying and doesn't talk to anybody about it. And like knowing what we know now in like modern society about how important it is to like, you know, talk about things and, you know, release them in a healthy way and process things looking back on this. I'm like, these people no, it's no wonder they're not all in the nut house <laughs> the way they <laughs> deal with their problems. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, like it, it's so basically anyone who, who was alive during Robert's rebellion, who is still alive, they're basically all traumatized. Like yeah. they've all gone through so much crap. And so either the story, this story is either talking about, people who had tragedies in the past or people who are experiencing more tragedies now because you got like characters like Arya who are just going through hell and then you got ned who's you know in a bad situation but a lot of his chapters talk about the past and how it's i mean it's haunted him his whole life Mm. and it's it's pretty brutal so um so he has this dream and this is when he starts to think about, okay, like, what is going to happen if I tell Robert this? What's going to happen when I say, Robert, your children are not yours. They're the product of Jamie and Cersei. And he's, he's, he's really struggling with it. Basically, he's like, well, Robert was a merciful king at some points, you know? He let people, he, uh, he forgave people like Cerberus and Selmy, Varys, Pycelle, um, Lord Balon Greyjoy, who... who you know, was, was who was on the Targaryen side during the war, and then, rebelled against him again. <laughs> yeah, and rebelled him later on. The guy doesn't quit, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> may have been a little too merciful with him. <laughs> right. But then, then Ned, I feel like Ned is reflecting on the stream, and he's like, "Okay, like when Rhaegar's kids were killed, he he just looked at the bodies and said, all I see is dragon spawn.' And right? It didn't and it didn't like move him at all, which is just I mean, that's pretty awful. And the same thing with him wanting to kill, you know, pregnant Daenerys. Like, Mm -hmm. she, you know, she's a child. Her baby's not even born yet. Yeah, kill it too. Like, he's like, in thinking ahead, he's like, obviously this guy has no issue killing innocent bystander children of people who scorned you. So obviously, yeah, the Lannisters kind of did the lowest blow of all. (laughs) Like, even like Rhaegar, it's like, well, you know, he was the prince. Like, he was there and you were opposing him. So it wasn't even like personal. Like, well, I guess it was personal because right. of Leon. But like, it was more of like a, a natural order of things. But like this whole Cersei thing, it's way more personal. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. I deceived you for all these years. Not only did mm-hmm. I have my have children with another man, but it's my brother. And like, I made you think they were yours. Like, it's humiliating and deceiving as well as just going to make him angry. <laughs> so, right. Like, if he had no problem with those other kids being brutalized and murdered, like, on one hand, you'd think that he might have just an ounce of, like, nostalgia. Like, well, you know, like, as we'll find out in the next Ned chapter, like, he thinks of them when he's dying. Like, please take care of my kids. So he obviously has some, you know, warm feelings towards them. And he thinks of him. So maybe when it came time for them being executed, theoretically, he'd be like, I mean... I know they're not mine, but I thought they were for so long. And, you know, I held them when they were babies. And so, I mean, may- maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> he's, yeah. a, he's a hard I mean, nut to crack. It, I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly tough because I, I feel like this. 
let's let's say let's say Robert gets gets back to the hunt from the hunt alive. Ned goes in and tells him. I think Cersei's dead or captured or something. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Heads yeah. on spikes. Heads yep. on spikes. Yeah, he doesn't care about her. But then he's got the dilemma with the kids in in the sense of okay. Cuz I think he would have at least I don't, I don't know. There are his kids he spent time with them so maybe he would have a moment of weakness and let them live but then what would he do with them he can't have them hanging around court that's right. true because even if he exiled them you know joffrey would be the series uh 2.0 oh yeah, yeah. wandering yeah. essos being beggar king he would be looking for revenge he would be wanting to take back what was rightfully his according to him like mm -hmm. he would just be a problem in the future like joffrey especially because joffrey lived his whole life thinking he was heir to the throne and what is he now like uh 13 or so like that's old enough to yeah. really be like right. i know enough about westeros and war and you know that's he was he was raised to be king so mm -hmm. he would definitely leave with this mentality of like well i'll be back you just wait i agree no that's that's great i, I don't know how long he would survive with his attitude but then again besides <laughs> survived so, not for long. <laughs> right. Not for long. We'll, we'll, we will get there. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, I, I definitely lean. I'm about, I'm about eighty percent sure that Robert would probably have them killed. I, I think so. I, I agree with you. I think it's about there. So I think Ned is kind of on the right track here. You know, he's. I feel like he's thought ahead and he's on the right, on the right. He, so yeah. That's going to occur. But. I mean, I mean, I guess, yeah, now we're moving on to him having Cersei summoned, but I mean, yes, yes I, 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 as, I mean, again, as we've talked about this in other situations, like with when we talked about it with Daenerys and no, I don't want to, I don't want to promote or condone the killing of children. <laughs> I, I, right. Don't take me wrong. But as he moves forward and reveals his plan to her, I mean, Yes, he's coming from a standpoint of compassion, but I mean, he completely lost every strategic advantage he had at this point. Yes, it was a really bad choice. Like maybe he could have have put them on a ship and sent them to Winterfell for protection or something like that. Like maybe that would have been an option. But telling Cersei has no upsides. Like there is no strategy behind that because he. I mean, he should know her well enough at this point to know that she's not going to walk away from this. She's not going to go and take exile as an option. And not right. just exile, being on the run for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Being well, hunted. <laughs> I, I will say the biggest mis... We're kind of jumping ahead, but I would say probably the biggest mistake is that Ned assumed that Tywin would leave with them as well. Right. So I think he mentions that. He's like, yes. Tywin and his gold. I think that's the point. I'm like, okay, Ned. That, yeah. That's the point that you... They have you totally an army. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I, an I unlimited like... gold to replace the one that they l might lose. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I'm kind of in the middle. I'll, I'll discuss that when we get there. But I will say, him thinking Tywin would run away. That's the point that I'm like, no, Ned, I can't yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. So, um, so Ned summons his uh, new captain of the guard. I think this is his third one since he's been in King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's funny how at this moment he's kind of like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have sent all my men away. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think that's Grim, you know, holding the sign saying, hey, that wasn't a good idea he did, by the way. <laughs> um, so he summons Fat Tom, 
which you know we get some joking moments with him with between him and Arya, and so it's kind of funny to think of him like oh he's like in charge now yeah it's like oh uh, uh, that guy <laughs> um so helps get dressed they talk kind of like hey we need to lengthen the watch because we're, we're gonna be heading out soon basically um takes it takes ned to the godswood gives him a letter fat tom heads off gives it to cersei and cersei shows up in the godswood and I, I don't know. I I really like, I really like the first line they have. I, I honestly, I, I almost want to read this whole thing, but we can't. But we can't spend all that time. <laughs> I um, I love it too. I love the yeah. the the scene that's painted here for us. Like me too. It's like it's almost like mu- it's like mutual respect for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm. I don't know. I'm kind of impressed she even came. You know, like it's almost like she's starting to realize and respect him as a a player of the game. Like she's starting to realize that he's not just making stupid decisions anymore. Like he's really starting to figure out key pieces of this and she's going to have to figure out how to deal with it. So she's going to have to go meet the enemy on, on mutual ground. Right. Yeah. I, I wonder if it was, I don't know. I, I, the way I kind of imagined it when I first read it was that she gets this letter. It says, Hey, that, you know, I'm Ned Stark. Meet me in the godswood. I wonder if Cersei was just like, I have no idea why he sent this to me. I don't know what his plan is, but I'm going to go find out because I, you know, it just came out of the blue to her, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. Maybe she just thought like, okay, I can get information out of this. And I, I do have to agree with you. I think she's kind of hit a point where she's like, okay, I can't just ignore Ned anymore. Like right. I can't just leave him be take, I can't take care of Robert and expect Ned to just kind of disappear. I have to deal with it. Right. But, but yeah, so she shows up and she asks, you know, why here? And that says, mm-hmm. so the gods can see. And I, yeah. I, don't know, I just, I really like that. It's like a um, baller line. Like yeah. he's just like, we're going to talk know? about some truth here today. <laughs> yeah. This is going to happen. Like yeah. there's witnesses here, even though you don't, maybe you don't believe in it, but they're. And I love right. this next part where we get to see her through his eyes. Well, the, the paragraph before that as well, where she, he talks about how she came in simply dressed. But I love this where he says her every move was graceful. Her curling blonde hair moved in the wind and her eyes were green as the leaves of summer. It had been a long time since Ned Stark had seen her beauty, but he saw it now. And I love that because it's just a reminder that like, she really is all that. Like she, mm-hmm. you know, and she typically, you know, she's been the queen for so long that she's just been, you know, garbed in all of these gaudy, rich materials and fancy clothes and hairdos. But like, you know, Ned's a simple man. And when he sees her dressed down and being vulnerable, like coming to him and being like, all right, like, what are we, let's, let's talk. Like he's, he's like, you know what? I forgot. Like you are super beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah I, I do like that. It's a very honest moment for him. Mm-hmm. So um, then let's, let's see. So Ned's basically like, Hey, I know why John Aaron died. And, and she's like, do you? And, and I almost imagine that Cersei should have asked, well, how did he die? Because I don't know. I don't know what happened. Because Yeah, I know. I thought that was like a missed opportunity for her to be like, okay, and you have, tell me. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, right? Like, like, like because like mystery is, to me. Know, because Cersei doesn't know who, who originally poisoned him. Right. She know she was the one who basically told myself, hey, just be negligent and let him die. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know who originally did it, so I'm sure she's like slightly curious. The conversation moves on before you can get that, but I kind of imagine it was like a thought that popped in your head, right? Because uh, he had his own maester there, right? And then they and- sent him away and subbed in mm-hmm. Mister 
malpractice. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so then, they, then uh, Ned, Ned asks her about Robert hitting her. And then um, she says, line, my brother is worth a hundred of your friend. And then we get the good one. Your brother? He goes, your brother? Number. And she's like, bingo. <laughs> okay, so, I love how she, she didn't even, she didn't even like take a second. She's like, yeah, both. I bone my brother. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, no, yeah. It says she did not flinch from the truth. And then she just comes out and tells him, like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just the way it is. She gives yeah. him like way more information than he even asked for. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. We're like, yeah. the last half of that conversation, I'm like, you know what, Cersei? Let's just ease up. She's like, since we were children. Ew. Yeah, right. Gross. Where were your parents? <laughs> we, came out of, we came out of my mother's womb. He was holding my foot. And you're just like, yeah. oh my gosh. Killing me. And then um, and then he asks about the children and he, he says, like, yeah, they're all they're all me and Jamie's. And so let me just ask you guys, why why is Cersei so forward and so honest about it? Like, I mean, there's not even a second where she like kind of contemplates. She's just like, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, they're they're main Jamie's kids. The and only thing, she, yo, yeah. go ahead, Madison. Uh, it, I, I, no, all I was gonna say is, I think at this point she just knows if she lies, she's gonna look like a fool, and she's like, I don't know, I can figure this out. I can figure my way out of anything, but at this point, he knows, and I'm not going to patronize him by lying. Like, like, why? What's right. the point? You know, Robert's still gone. I still have time to figure it out. Or maybe she received word ahead of time that he had been wounded. Like, we don't. Again, we don't know the time difference between this right. conversation and Robert arriving back to the castle. Like, there could have been a writer that came because they had to carry him on a. Um, What's it called? Yeah, like Doesn't matter. Like a stretcher. Yeah. yeah. And so she very well could have had insider information because, you know, we know that there's mostly Lannister writers out there with him. So, you know, that's just that's an unimportant. But maybe she's already like, I got this in the bag. It did say in the next chapter that it took them two days to get him back to Pycelle. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, by the time he got here, I couldn't even do anything. So the question could remain, maybe he got delayed. I mean, we're jumping ahead here, but maybe she did have some information. Maybe she, maybe she some... even delayed him, you know? Yeah, walk slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Just, you know, trip a few times and, you know, drop him. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, man, no, that's, 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 a, that's a good point. Because cause we also got to remember that at this point, like like this conversation didn't happen and then... Uh, Cersei was like, "Oh, by the way, get Robert drunk." Like that, that, that ship has sailed. Cersei already sent that that order out to a couple. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, that's. Mm. that's I have a lot of things <laughs> popping in my brain right now. <laughs> um, Going back no, just no. a second, when he asks about Bran, I love the yeah, line also yeah, where he that. says, "To her credit, um, Cersei didn't even look away." Like. She knows that she loves her children. She knows that Ned loves his children. But, like, she stayed resolute and was just like, we did what we had to do. And yeah, so, so basically, yeah, Ned asks her, like, what about my son, Bran? And she said, yeah, he saw us. Um, you love your children, uh, do you not? With all my heart. No less do I love mine. And then we get a really interesting, so basically she's like, yeah. It is interesting. Because he's like. This cool part here. It says, uh, Ned thought, if it came to that, the life of some child that you did not know against... Okay, now this is important, by the way, who he lists. It says, mm-hmm. uh, so, so anyway, uh, the life of some child that did not know against Rob, Sansa, and Arya, and Bran, and Rickon. 
So John is not listening. Didn't mention John, right? Which I think Graham is just a slight hint to like. Not his kid, not yours. Yeah, Ned doesn't think of John as his child because he's not. Right. Um, what would I do? Even more so, what would Catelyn do if it were John's life against the child of her body? Oh, he knows what Catelyn would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I, 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 feel like we ha- I feel like we had this conversation when we last talked about Bran being pushed out the window and kind of how Jamie, Jamie's view was. How it was like, look, this kid saw it. If he goes out and tells someone, I'm dead. The woman I love is dead. My three children who I love are dead. And it's them or us. Like, I have to do it. And I, I don't know. I kind of like that Ned put himself in that position. That's very mature like, of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, cause I mean, there, I mean, so many things occur in this conversation where Ned just could have been like, that's it. I'm done. You're dead. Like, I, like you, you push my son out the window. You're screwing with my best friend. You're corrupting the kingdom right now. Right. But I don't know. He's, he's kind of digesting it at all. And he's keeping things very civil, which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive, in my opinion. Um, let's see. So that occurs. Then, then the conversation about the children come up. And then um, basically Ned's like, what does he say? He says, how is it that you have had no children by the king? And she's like, oh, I just did other stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, and then we get, then we get kind of the revelation of Cersei's situation with Robert. Like, not only is she being abused by Robert, because I, I will say I have sympathy for Cersei in some parts of her life, mm-hmm. because because then we we get this part where he she, he's basically like um, a thousand other women might have loved him with all with with all their hearts. What did he do to make you hate him so? And Cersei says, um, actually, wait, no, I, I like the description before. Her eyes burnt, burned green fire in the dusk, like the ding, li- ding, like, ding. Li- like the <laughs> yep. lioness. It was her uh, The night of our wedding feast, the first time he shared a bed, he called me by your sister's name. He was on top of me, in me, uh, stinking of wine, and he whispered, "Leanna." And, <sighs> yeah, so and I think the show, the show, yeah. I think did an even better job of giving her the right amounts of. Um, moments where you just could relate to her and feel sympathy for her. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, so I, they changed a few things, but I think the show, those were some, sh- those were some changes in that, that the show actually did for the better of the story. Um, because as we're about to see, like Cersei kind of takes it somewhere where they didn't go with the show. But in, um, in the books, you know, she has that baby aborted, whereas in the show, they kind of make it sound like she had the baby and then it died. Mm-hmm. And then they also have a couple moments where she is like, I did love you, you know, like, so I do think that it kind of makes her a little more relatable and a little more human because she's still, you know, cunning and bad to the bone and cold, but she has moments where she's like, I have feelings too, you know? And so I, 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 I like this in the book, but I thought I like how they took it just one step further in the show. And maybe again, that was just for the, the benefit of the audience, you know, converting it to screen. But um, I do, I prefer the show Cersei in this scene a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, fr- I'm I think I'm frozen again, but let's just leave it be. By the way, okay, okay. Because I'm, I'm not making like an ugly face. In it. Yeah, it's a good face. <laughs> yeah, You're like just a, just very a nice yeah. face. <laughs> It's your new um, profile picture. Screenshot. <laughs> 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 
Um, and then we, and then Ned says, "I don't, I don't know which of you, which of you I should pity more. You or you or Robert." Yeah. And I don't know. That's very. She don't great. want his pity. <laughs> no, know, he's kind of sad. Like, like he feels it bad. Just brings for her, it down but... to earth for us as readers. How it's just like, look, like everyone is in a shitty situation. Yeah. Because I mean, we'll learn more about this as we read on. But I mean, Cersei was totally in love with Robert. I mean, yeah, he was the guy. You know. Mm. like ned said in the very beginning of the book that you know he was muscled like a maiden's fantasy and that's yeah like six three and yeah yeah he sounds like a hottie looks like he looks like he's covered in like baby oil all the time (laughs) (laughs) a perfect five o'clock shadow (laughs) yeah right yeah just that perfect perfect i love that um okay so then the next thing she does is i don't know i think it's weird kind of it's very strange to me. It so just it seems uncharacteristic for her. Well, okay. yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's uncharacteristic in terms of her making the offer because I because she does that. She does that. She uses her body as a weapon, I guess you could say. Yeah, I just it, yeah. I feel like it, it makes her feel desperate. It's the, yeah, yes. yeah, it's the it's the timing of it all. So basically, I don't know, just the way it's also written. this whole if you guys haven't read this chapter, you need to read it because it is so good. Um, and Ned says, "You know what I must do? Must she put her, she put her hand on his leg just She's above like, the knee? A true man does what he will, <laughs> not what he must. Her fingers brushed lightly against his thigh. The gentlest of promises. And it's just like, oh god. And yeah. So basically, she's like, hey, you know, let's just bang it out and then let's walk away and leave it be. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I think that is something that Cersei would do. She would like if I could sleep with this guy and I could solve my problems, I'm gonna do it." It just feels just... weird in the context, yeah. Well, yeah, just mm-hmm. the timing is so bad because basically it's like, hey, I, I sleep with my brother. Hey, my kids are mine and my brothers. Oh, I also push your kid out the window. You want to bang it out right now. Well, and especially because the whole time she's been so direct. She's been very yes. bold-faced. Like, did you do this? Yes. Did you do this? I did. Would I do it again? Yes. Like, she's been very, like, matter-of-fact. And then out of nowhere, she's just like, but we can make an arrangement. But I'm like, why were you so bold if now you're kind of worried? Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. if Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it could just be that she's bad in in terms of like scheming and like trying to like, hey, I'm going to solve the problem like right now. Maybe (laughs) Maybe she has a thing for a guy with a peg leg. Oh, God. I know that's a thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe she saw the window of like, hey, he's pitying me. Now I'm yeah. going to try. Yeah, you know? then maybe so. Could be. That could be it. I don't know. It could just be her not being very good at this thing. <laughs> but either way. True. Um, then we get the good, the great line of, did you make the same offer to John? Yeah. Aaron? She slapped him. I shall wear that as a badge of honor. And you're just yeah. like, no. like oh, uh, Ned. Yeah. Ned said dryly. Like, I almost feel like Ned, like, said it. And in his brain, he was like, I just said that. Like, yeah. I'm usually like, not that close. Mental high five. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, 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 that's the kind of stuff I never think of until later. Like, you know what yeah. I should have said. <laughs> that's right. Pretty much. Um, so um, then Cersei kind of goes off on Ned. Um, How dare you play the noble lord with me? What do you take me for? You're, you, you have a bastard of your own, so on and so forth. Then Ned starts off. First start, I do not kill, I do, I do not kill tr- children. You would do well to lis- listen, my lady. Then he kind of proposition says to her, like, look, I'm going to give you the chance to get out of here. Grab your children, get Tywin, 
and his gold, head off to the free cities, the Summer Isles, the Port of Ibn, somewhere. Just go as far far away as you possibly can, because Robert's wrath will follow you. Like, you know, and and, and it's all and you know, Ned stated right there. It's because of the of the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is this is the point where I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so this is the big question. Like, was this move that that Ned made going to talk to Cersei was it a good move? Was it a bad move? Was it honorable? Was it smart? Like, just just unleash your feelings, Brooke. Why, why, why don't you tell me how you feel? Sure, it was honorable. I mean, that is Ned Stark's middle name is honorable. But the simple fact of the matter is this very conversation gave Cersei so much information about what Ned knew and how he's going about playing this game. And it, and the time that he, from the time that he speaks to Cersei, from the time that Ned starts to take action because Robert's hurt and everything, it gives Cersei so much of a head start on how to Mm. fix things, how to pull things together. And I think that was the biggest mistake right there. Had Ned set it up and had this conversation and then had plans to follow through with after, I think it would have turned out a little bit different, but he just had, there was too much space. There was too much time for Cersei to, to scheme and figure out how she was going to fix things. Mm -hmm. So my, my only, I guess really my only little shield I have to saying that this wasn't like a stupid move. It probably, I don't know, it probably could have gone better. But the thing is, at this point, we got to remember that Ned believes Robert is going to come back at this point. And he's, he's basically banking on it. He's saying like, look, when Robert comes back, which should be soon, because that's, I guess we don't know the timing of when Ned thinks Robert's going to come back. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it's like right. a, if it's like a week, then it's like okay, Ned. Like you gave Cersei like a week to plan and figure this out. Yeah. If he was hoping that Robert's gonna come back the next day, maybe he was like, "Look, now I can." Talk it to does Cersei sound like Robert he's been back. gone for a long time already. So maybe he was banking on the fact that oh, mm-hmm. he's been gone for like forever now. He should be returning any minute. <laughs> like, so the only way his plan works is if he had changed one thing. He could have had this whole exact same conversation and then changed one thing. He could have said these words, seize her. He should have put her in a dungeon until Robert got back because she had already committed treason. He had no, he absolutely could have held her in a dungeon until Robert got back. Because it's not like Tywin would have got there before Robert. Like he's pretty Mm. preoccupied. So, I mean, Mm. like all he would have had to do was keep the kids in their chambers guarded by Stark men, put Cersei in a dungeon, wait for Robert. Bingo. Done. Yeah. That, that's the only way his plan would have worked. But I don't think he should have done this plan. I think you never tell your enemy your plans. Like, yeah. And it wasn't a thing about honor because who does he owe honor to? He doesn't owe the Lannisters anything. I know he's thinking about those three children, but in being honorable to them and showing compassion to them, he knows that he has to be putting the rest of the realm and his family and his friend Robert in grave danger. So I do not think it was smart. I don't think it was honorable. I don't think it was a good idea at all. But if he was going to do it, he should have made plans for Cersei to know that she could have talked to anybody. Mm-hmm. I, so, okay, so I think we got two scenarios here. I think one scenario is yours, Madison, of him just seizing her right then and there, getting her in a dungeon and, see, you know, keeping her away from yeah. her army and figuring that out. 
I think the only way that could have happened is if he prepped beforehand. Because we got to remember mm -hmm. at this point, the land, uh, Cersei has a bigger, arm, bigger, you know, army in King's Landing than yep. Ned does in Stark Men. Mm -hmm. So if Ned thought ahead, got Renly on his side mm -hmm. before this conversation occurred, or or the City Watch, or even Littlefinger at the City Watch, yeah, the yeah. Gold Cloaks, if, like if he if he got that beforehand, then had this conversation, then seized her, I think we would have had a way different story. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, the other scenario is let's say Robert comes back healthy and fine. I can't really see a scenario where Cersei could win. She may have mm -hmm. a small standing army there, but Robert Robert's got the city watch on his side. Robert, because because okay, we all, another thing we have to remember is we learn this later on, but Littlefinger basically has control of the city watch, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. at this point. Littlefinger is in a great situation. He's on the council. He's control of all the money. So I think if Robert showed up, Littlefinger would be like, yes, let's put the city watch on Robert's side and let's take out Cersei. Right. Maybe. Because even though we know Littlefinger has plans of his own, he has to know that taking out Robert alone is easier than taking out Robert and the Lannisters. So it would definitely have been in the benefit of his grand scheme to get Cersei and the Lannisters out of his way by supporting Robert because taking down Robert, you know, just a king is a lot easier than taking down Robert plus Cersei plus Jaime mm -hmm. plus Tywin plus their army. Well, also, I, I feel like it's a win-win situation in terms of Littlefinger. And remember, Littlefinger is important here, like I said, because he has control of the City Watch. Because Robert dies, Ned tries to solve it, war occurs between the Starks and the Lannisters. If Cersei, if, if Robert comes back, takes out Cersei, then the Lannisters are going to come after the Baratheons. And in the end, Littlefinger wants war, and either way, he's going to get it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. Um, I think the only... I don't know. I think him going and giving her a chance to leave... I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we, like we got hints of Ned's PTSD and all these really terrible things that occurred to him, and I think he just doesn't want that to occur again for anyone else. Right. True. He doesn't want Robert's reign, him, his reign as Hand of the King to be stained by the fact that children were killed under his rule, which, I mean, that's, I mean, if you go back to think about Robert's rebellion, the whole thing has just been corrupted by the fact that Rhaegar's children were killed because of it. You know, that's yeah. the black mark on the whole rebellion. And right. I, I think that's just the reason behind why Ned did what he did. So I, I think, at least for me, it comes down to the fact of I understand why he did it, and I think it was morally, I don't know if that's the right word, morally a good thing for him to do. Probably wasn't yeah. the best thing in terms of strategy because he didn't really he didn't really have a plan, I feel. Right. Like his plan was Robert's going to take care of this. Like once Robert gets back, that's my plan. And it's like, well, yeah. you, you should have thought of the fact like what if Robert doesn't come yeah. back or he doesn't side with you. He didn't really plan. Right. So yeah, he definitely should have talked with Littlefinger and Renly before this meeting, even though they probably would have just talked him out of the meeting. <laughs> but, That's a good point. Well, the thing is, but, I feel like I feel like Renly would have just because I mean, as we know in, in the next chapter, he's just like, yeah, let's take out the Lancers, let's do it right now. So I think if Ned went to him and told him, I think Renly would be like, yeah, let's totally take out Cersei and let's embrace yeah. her, and then what, until Robert gets back. Um. So. Let's see. So, good, good, good discussion, guys. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
then the, the last few lines are uh, the queen's basically like, you should have taken the realm for yourself at that point. And um, Ned says, I've made more mistakes than you could possibly imagine, but that was not one of them. Yeah. And then we get the good one, the good line. The, the title Famous, drop. here it comes. When you when play, you the, play game the, the Game of Thrones, you win or you, you die. You die. There is no middle ground. Title drop! Yeah. <laughs> Big time. And, um, and that, that line is what closes us out. Yeah. The chapter. That's such so, a good chapter. Um, with that line, do you guys think, knowing everything we know, and even just based on where we are so far in the book, do you think that being cold and brutal is the only way to win the Game of Thrones? Ooh, is there a scenario when it can be done well, the diplomatically is, without brutality? I don't think so, to be <laughs> I, honest. I mean, so Ned is, never I, stood a chance. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel like the, the reason why I say that is because I know that this situation doesn't turn out. Because I feel like Ned is he trying tried. to do that. He's trying to let's settle this without killing people, without people right. dying. I mean, that, heck, Ned suffered enough people being killed in King's Landing around him. I mean, yeah. Jory died in his arms. Like he doesn't mm. want that to occur to anyone else, and it and this just fails to him. So, unfortunately, I don't think there is. I don't think so either. Just really because sad. there's too many other players involved. If it was just a couple of houses or, you know, something like that. I feel like if there was less players involved, you may be able to get away with being diplomatic and, you know, and getting away with less killings. But because there's so many people with so many different interests and like too many moving you know, pieces, <laughs> yeah, too many moving pieces and too many lusts for power that mm -hmm. being the good guy, you know, good guys finish last. <laughs> right. And even well, Ned at this point, he isn't even aware of how many players are in the game. Like he right. doesn't even know at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I think he's he he's he's aware that it's it's complicated, but he is not even he doesn't understand he doesn't know about the secret Targaryen plan. He doesn't know about, you know, Rinley is actually pretty power hungry and Littlefinger is underneath it all trying to get his way. Like he doesn't even know about how complicated it runs. So he was, it was a little bit of a pipe dream. Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless that poor man's heart. Well, um, that's all my notes I have for this yeah. chapter. Do you guys have any last minute thoughts before we move on? I don't. Mm, nope. That's all I had. I think, uh, I think this chapter is going to be a contender for top best in the book i will say because i don't know i i'm i'm really i think i've asked these guys before but i would love to do like top best sansa chapter top best chapter in the whole book at the end mm -hmm. let's do a little award show or when oh we're done God. we could each show our top three favorite chapters for the whole book yeah mm. I like and then that. we and then we could like not talk about it ahead of time and see if we have any overlaps mm. yes that's fun. a big reveal be good. <laughs> yeah we'll we'll start brewing one up it'll be it'll be it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> All right, well, that closes out at our 12. We're moving on to chapter 46, which is Danny 5. We're back with Danny. I Yay. think it's been, has it been a while? I'm sure, it's been I, a little while. A couple weeks, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I feel like it's been a little bit. 
Yep. So. Again, I say this every time, but it's it's strange to feel like we know so much about Danny and so much about Dothraki culture and what all she's been through and what life is like for her. And this is we've at this point only read four chapters. <laughs> like this is the fifth one. It's funny how you're like, how is that even possible? Oh, because because Grimm is an amazing writer. <laughs> yeah, he, he crams a lot into it. I I also wouldn't be shocked if the average page count of a Danny chapter is longer. A little longer. Yeah. I yeah. think every time I get to a Danny chapter, I'm like, oh, there's like two more pages at least. Yes. In, the in fact, fact I, less we have to learn. Like in Westeros, there's mm-hmm. all those different moving parts where in Essos, there's only really, as of right now, the Dothraki and Danny and Viserys. So that's, that's a good point. I like, you I know, like that. Good, yeah. Good point. Um, okay, so. This is 46, Danny 5. The quick and dirty of it is that Danny is going through a ceremony, um, like a Dothraki ceremony ceremony thing, where she basically has to eat this heart to strengthen her son, which is super disgusting. Ugh. So everyone knows. Um, that goes on, and then by the, by the end of the chapter, Viserys comes in all drunk, and he gets totally killed. Like, gone. <laughs> um, also, I just want to state, I feel like people sometimes forget that this is Viserys is actually the first major death that occurs in the books. Like people yeah, usually it, always think like, Oh, yeah. it's Ned, but it's like, no, nah, Viserys died like yeah. right before that occurred. And that was a pretty dang big deal. Especially and for, first time watching it, I really was like, what? Like it blew my too. mind. I thought he was going to be yeah. around for a lot longer. Me too. I, so Viserys dying was like, like I was so torn be, just because I love Harry Lloyd. Who's the actor who plays him. And I was like, he was such an ass, but he did such a good job that I don't want to see him yeah. go because of his talent. So it was just like, oh. but I mentioned way. that in my notes too, because like towards the end of this, um, right before they crown him, um, I could all I could picture was him on screen going, "That's all I wanted." That's what I was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a little bit, but that <laughs> yeah. line, you just are like, "Oh my gosh!" Like mm-hmm. he. Has lost it. <laughs> um, so one thing I do want to say about this chapter before we dive in a bit more is I am so impressed that Grimm can tear us away from what's happening in King's Landing, and we're we're like okay with it because yep. right like reading reading the previous chapter, you're just like okay, what the hell is going to happen? Because right. huge things just happened. Because mm-hmm. you know, in my brain, I'd be like, no, 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 don't take me away from this. Like I got to figure it out, and yet. We go to Danny, and I don't know if it's like a breather away from it, or if it's like this is just as intense as what's occurring in King's Landing. That we're mm-hmm. with it. I don't know yeah. what it is, but either way. So um, let's see. So the the chapter starts starts out in kind of this classic grim way, where he puts us right in the middle of the action, and then he kind yeah. of gives us the backstory back. as we go. Pretty much every chapter he does is like that, and it's always very impressive. Um, but she's sitting there, she's eating a horse's heart that Danny and his blood riders ripped out with stone knives to give to her. And um, the purpose of it is she's supposed to eat it, not throw up, and it's supposed to strengthen her child and kind of bless her child. And um, where does it say? I, I thought it was, oh yeah. Um, it says that the heart of a stallion would make her son strong and strong and swift and fearless. 
or so the Dothraki believed, but only if the mother could eat it all. If she choked on the blood or retched up the flesh, the omens were less favorable. The <laughs> child might be stillborn, or come forth weak, deformed, or female. <laughs> the <laughs> horror! <laughs> I know, Which right? I think it's kind of funny, because I, I, I underlined that and everything, and I think it's funny that being born female is, you know, equivalent to a deformity, like, you know, mm-hmm. being stillborn or something, and it's just kind of funny, because just one page later, they really talk about how the Dosh Kaleen are like exalted. They are the wise women. They have a lot of influence over the politics of the Dothraki. So obviously they, they do hold women in a position of esteem and respect and power, but like only after they've earned it, because if you're born a woman, yes. like that's pretty much the next thing to being yeah. basically dead. <laughs> yeah. I you think, also... oh, oh, go ahead, go Harrison. Ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think also on a grand scheme, too, it's another one of those idealisms that Grimm is breaking because it's kind of like that idea that not all the knights are good. Mm. Women are seen as as weak and fragile and everything else in this in this series. But yet the real power players end up being women, women, yep. Cersei, Danny. Uh, Sansa towards the end, you know, Lady Arena and Yara and Arya and all of them, they just end up being really the main power players in the show. So it's just, it's one of those idealisms breaking again. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I, I, I think we, I think one part we do have to remember is that these women who become the Dash Queen, they don't get there unless they've been married to a call. Right. So I, I, I it's, it's, it's kind of this like, they hold them in such esteem, but they have to have a man in order to get to that point. So yeah, right. It's a little, it's a little up in the air there, but well, and even the other players at some point, most of them usually say something to that effect, like, "This is a man's world, I know, but who's really in control?" Like, mm-hmm. I wish I could find some examples, but I want to say that Cersei and Sansa, at some point, both recognized that, um, and sure, sure you know, and there you go. Maybe he was just making a political statement, you know, 20 years ago. (laughs) Right. Um, But fantasy writers in general tend to really love women, like, like love to boost them up to positions of power and high respect and have really strong female characters. So that's always fun as a woman who likes to read fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, They usually give women their props in the end. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, um, so that happens. Then then we kind of do the little backstory where, Danny, like she kind of prepped for this moment. She so fast, gross, fast clotted blood. blood. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that was the part that got me. She ate, she ate <laughs> clotted blood to like get used to the taste of it. She chewed on horse flesh, like dried like horse jerky kind of a thing. <laughs> and you're just like, I'd eat horse jerky before I ate a bowl of blotted, blotted yeah. blood. <laughs> Um, well, Amelia Clark said that when they were filming it, what she was eating was they made a giant gummy bear like basically it was a gummy bear but made in like a mold like a heart and so it was covered in like (laughs) fake blood which is like corn syrup and red dye and she was and she was like it was really good because it was like a gummy bear but (laughs) she was like it was also really gross because it looked like a heart right yeah yeah that's We'll, we'll we'll actually get to this when we talk about the show. We'll eventually do a, a rewatch of the whole show. But yeah, just that scene where it, like it starts off and she's just sitting there chewing on it, she's just looking at the camera. Yeah. And you're just like it's like you are gonna kill me like right now. Oh my god, it's terrible. She doesn't play around. <laughs> so yeah, so she prepped. She's pre- she prepped for for this whole thing. Um, then we kind of I thought this was kind of funny. Like so, Cal Drogo is kind of like watching her 
do this whole thing, his arms are all covered in blood from digging the heart out. And the whole time, I'm, I'm just like, dude, he's totally getting off on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He's just like, he's just sitting there. He's like, this is so hot. Like, I know. She's, eating, she's eating the heart of a horse that I pulled out with my bare hands. Like, <laughs> I mean, if that is not like a match made in heaven right there, right? I don't know what is. Those two were made for each other. <laughs> the, um, I think there is actually some, just some light foreshadowing to Viserys' death actually right here. Um it very sp- explicitly states that like, oh, they had to tear the heart out with stone knives because steel wasn't allowed in the city, mm-hmm. which, you know, is like hint, hint, if Viserys has one, he's probably going to die. And then right. also it, it, um, it specifically describes um, Khal Drogo's belt. It's like a, a gold belt in the shape of lions, which I thought, which I'm like, oh no, that's like, that's like food for like theory people who are like, oh my gosh, he was wearing gold lion belt. That means he's in cahoots with the Lannisters. Oh, Would have been bad. Get but your you know, foil that, out. <laughs> right. yeah, that gold belt is you know the murder weapon basically. So I think that's just kind of a light, like grim sprinkling it in to prep us. Um, Danny finishes up eating the heart. She stands up. She proclaims it to the Dosh Kaleen. Um, and then the Dosh Kaleen kind of perform their ceremony. There's fires burning. There's they're chanting, and eventually we end up getting um, the basically the prophecy. The stallion who mounts the world. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Um, Here, I'm just going to read the last part of it really quick. It says, um, As swift as the wind he rides, and behind him his calisar covers the earth, men without number number with uh, rocks. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but shining shining in their hands like blades of razor grass. Fierce as a storm, this prince will be. His enemies will tremble before him, and their wives will weep tears of blood and rend their flesh in grief. Which sounds like a great party on the weekend. I'm like, this is like the best baby shower ever. <laughs> uh, now, he, now, this is interesting. It says, the bells in his hair will sing his coming, and the milkmen in the stone tents will fear his name. Here, this part. The old woman trembled and looked at Danny, almost as if she w- were afraid. The prince is riding, and he shall be the stallion who mounts the world. And I'm, I'm just curious. I, I, I read this just before we came on. Do you th- why do you think she's scared of this vision she just had? Like, why does she look to Danny? Because this sh- this should be something that the Dothraki are excited for, you know, the moment that they basically rule the earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and yet they yet they're looking upon Danny and they're freaked out by it. I wonder if this seer gal she saw the dragons maybe, maybe she you know saw them in the future and. She's like, whoa, that's a lot more destruction than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, honestly, so like we we know how this baby, how that turns out. But since this is the first real, like in your face, verbalized prophecy we get in the story, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping, since we don't know the ending, I'm kind of hoping that it will still have some merit in the story. I'm hoping we haven't seen the end of Danny bearing a child who could someday be like, I don't know, a prince who was promised or something. <laughs> um, again, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm hoping that what she did see, because she mentioned stone castles and like taking over the world and her. So again, I'm hoping it can be prophetic still. We'll see. But again, I think it was just such a, intense vision of 
I mean, it, it, whether he's on your side or not, a warrior of that magnitude would be intimidating. So I think it was just about how intense the vision was. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it. So, um, so that occurs. Then, um, then they then they head out for kind of the next part of the ceremony, and we we learn a bit, little bit of ba- background of the Dash Killeen, which we discussed beforehand. Um, then we get this kind of cute moment, I guess, between Drogo and Danny where um danny's been teaching him the common tongue and drogo's like oh what does that name mean and yeah good name yeah i don't know like when i read that i was like this is pretty incredible in my opinion just because danny has like like last chapter we we kind of had this tug of war between her her Targaryen side and the Dothraki, like which culture is she a part of? And this is kind of the chapter where she's like, I am with the Dothraki. I am fully invested in them. And Mm -hmm. they're my, they're, they're mine now. Mm -hmm. And, and I kind of, I just kind of like how Drogo's a little more open, you know, he's like, yeah, sure. I'll learn how to talk your language as well. He's a little softy. Just admit it. He's got. I know. That's why we love him. He's got some teddy bears in his bed or something. He has his good name. (laughs) Right? I think it's interesting that he didn't have a choice in the name. Yeah, you almost would think that the cow is like the decision maker. But, but I mean, people the moon of her life. So, or she is the moon of her life. So, I mean, maybe that's just, maybe that's just a privilege that Danny has as his wife. Um, I mean, we know that they respect the Dashkalin so much because mm-hmm. they were the wives of cows and they've come yep. back to this place to be these wise women. Maybe, yeah, maybe she yeah. just... And they, they ask yeah. her, like, it's part of the ceremony, right. like, closing the ceremony. They ask, they don't ask him and they're not like, well, mom, dad, what are we going to call this little guy? <laughs> <laughs> they ask her as part of the ceremony. So it sounds like that's just the way it is in their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Every time I read a Dan- Danny chapter, I'm just so impressed with how she's just totally adapted to her surroundings, and I don't know, like it's probably because it gives her more of an identity. You know, like we learn later on that Viserys kind of is her connection to the Targaryens, mm-hmm. but she never really lived that life. She was never fully surrounded right. by it, and in the Dothraki, she is. So they head off to this place called the Womb of the World. Womb of the World, I believe is what it's called. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. they talk about how this is where basically man and horse were first created. Like, this is where they came out. Which is, which is, it's one of those, like, man, that's, like, just a little taste of backstory that we don't get a lot of. You know, it's right. like, oh, I kind of want to learn a little more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- she goes in, and they do kind of this little baptism type thing. She gets out, her, him and... Danny and Drogo just have some sex real quick. You know, no big deal. <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> it's like, real quick. <laughs> One thing. Well, especially how it's like, I don't know, it's just so like, I don't know, like, this did sort of have like a baptism type feel, you know? Like, she, mm-hmm. she's cleansing herself. She's fully, you know, being invested into the Dothraki in their marriage almost, you know, because they're finally yeah. having a child. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, we got that out of the way. Let's just have some sex by the river while everyone's looking at us. <laughs> well, and like you said, I think he's been uh, uh, warming up for quite a while. He got he got <laughs> real excited. Yeah. <laughs> he got real excited with the whole horse heart thing. And now he's just like, are you kidding me? This is too much <laughs> like right here right now i mean i'm not surrounded by that culture but i bet if i lived there i'd be pretty turned on by my wife eating a heart i don't know uh, yeah <laughs> well, of course yeah 
Duh, right? <laughs> so that occurs. They head off to the after party, the little reception for their baby. <laughs> the reception. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's like, you know, little little balloons all over the place. And It's a boy. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Have one of those diaper cakes and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, so they go to the party. Danny has Jorah come and sit with her. Um, he was actually in a place of pretty high honor before that. And then she invites him to sit next to her and he's just... I'm sure he's just kind of like having this like, oh my gosh, she asked me yeah. to sit by her. Yeah, that's <laughs> a big deal. I mean, yeah, it is a pretty big deal, I would say. Um, she asks about Viserys, and Viserys has basically been spending most of his time with the traitors who spend their time around uh, Vaisdothrak. Just be, it's more, it's more his his crowd, you know. He gets to eat regular food there, and he's not around the people he hates. Yeah. Um, then, um, then we learn a pretty big thing that Viserys actually tried to steal the dragon eggs. Now we get this scene in the show, and I think it's a really good scene. We'll, we'll yeah, I'm glad the they chose yeah, to right? do that. Yep. And what kind of blows my mind? I don't know. I kind of understand it, but basically, Jorah's like, "Yeah, he tried to steal your dragon eggs," and Danny's like, "Why would he want that? Because they're so valuable." And she's like, "Well, if he wants them, he can have them." And it's just like, oh. <laughs> and I, I think it, I don't know. I think the purpose of it is to show us that even through all of this, even through all this assimilation with the Dothraki, he still has some control over her almost like yeah. mm-hmm. he's still a shadow behind her. Yeah. And I think she's, she really so enjoys her new life and she just wants so badly for her new family and her brother to get along yeah and for she i think she really just wants for like you know it, it's it's the only like of strife in her life anymore almost and she's like, yeah i have this brother and like he's a douchebag but like i really wish that he didn't hate my new way of life and i think it's just frustrating her like well what can i do to like amend things with him like well the, you know the eggs are you know from our culture and he's part of my culture and if he wants one he can have one like yeah, I think she's just trying to like smooth things over. She just wants to be happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, I well, agree. Also, also, after that, we um, we learn. You know, she talks about how Viserys is like the guy who protected her, who told her stories about their parents. You know, he's her connection to the Targaryens. You know, that's what mm-hmm. keeps her kind of mm-hmm. attached to that side of her life, and that right there is like the one part of Viserys that I'm like, all right. You get like one out of a million sympathy points. But... <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, also, by the way, if you don't get along with your brother-in-law, you don't have permission to kill him. Just, right, just, right. just <laughs> put that out there. Just saying. Because spoiler alert, that's what occurs. So, <laughs> um, so um, they're talking about that. Sarah shows up, obviously drunk. He has a steel sword on him. And he's basically, you know, kind of going through what he's been talking, you know, complaining about this whole time. Drogo, God. you you purchased my 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 sister and you never paid for her. You son of a bitch. He ends up basically telling, like, look, I'm going to take her back. I'll cut out this baby and leave it for you. And And that's the moment. That is the moment that we get this really, really awesome um, narrative shift where it's where Danny talks about Viserys in the terms of the man who used was to be my once brother. my brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like 
I, I remember the first time I read this and I picked up on that. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, because she says yes. it like not once, not twice. I'm pretty sure it's three times in there that yeah. she's like the man who was once my brother. Well, he just threatened her baby. She's like, all right, you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, pretty much. Like, you're gonna, well, and also, she knows his fate is sealed at this point. Like, he drew a weapon. Yeah. Like, there's there's not much going back. And then he starts spouting off all his bullshit about, you know, taking her and killing the baby and just being incredibly um, rude and just indignant about what's going on around him. Um, and in my mind, I was like, is he is it that he is that drunk or is it that he's that stupid? Because, I mean... He knows at this point, he knows what's acceptable and what will get him killed. And I mean, is it that he just thinks he's a king and nobody would dare cross him? Like he has, like he has to be aware enough to know that like, that's a little bit in his head at this point. Like it's not there yet. And then part of me was like, it's honestly so illogical that part of me has to wonder, was he going a bit mad? Yeah. Because, as you pointed out, what we're going to see after he gets his crown of gold, or before he gets his crown of gold, when he's like, that's all I wanted, you're like, that is a sign of a, of a psychopath. Like, yeah, and so and you're wondering, like, maybe some of that Targaryen madness is, is like, really settling in. Yeah, he got the wrong side of the coin. <laughs> we also got to remember, I just, I just thought of this, was that Viserys is kind of been shielded i would say by danny just the the moment i'm thinking of is after that moment in the in the dothraki sea where um sorry that's laundry's done (laughs) oh the dishwasher (laughs) (laughs) it's so happy it's like come get your laundry um, it's still warm after that scene in the dothraki sea oh maybe i'll go put my pajamas on right now (laughs) so after that moment in the dothraki sea um Cal Drogo offers him the cart basically to ride in. And Danny like completely tries to make sure he doesn't know that that's an insult. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Danny has been sort of like, like, you know, Oh, don't let my brother know that he's being offended. And right. maybe that's just what, that's what's led to Viserys being like, Oh, I'm still the King. I'm still in charge. I still have all this power. Right. Whereas if Danny kind of let that through, I'm not saying this is all Danny's fault, but <laughs> Maybe if Danny let that through and showed him, like, look, you're being disrespected right now, and people don't like you at all. Like, right. maybe maybe he would have had a different view on this whole thing. Right. But like, then mind again, your P's and Q's stuff. while you're here. Exactly. <laughs> pretty much. Um, also, I wanna, also, I think Jorah puts out a pretty good point that he actually goes up to Danny and Viserys and is like, look, we're going to die. Like, it's yeah. not just Viserys. Like, mm-hmm. Danny and Jorah are both in trouble in danger yeah. is doing uh you know i think that that just points to kind of the urgency jorah has like he, he ends up going to try and stop viserys and ends up like shoving him to the ground basically because yeah. he's like look i'm not gonna die here <laughs> like right i like when jorah's translating for him he like didn't hold anything back he's like i'll tell you what he said <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much and uh <laughs> then we get that moment where danny uh, danny's handmaiden is like i can't I can't tell the the call what he is saying right now, or he'll kill me, which is pretty pretty brutal. Like when you think about that, her situation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Danny does the translation for him. She, Danny tells Viserys, like, "Hey, you'll have a you'll have a crown that people will be tre- will tremble to behold." And we get that sad moment where I don't have sympathy for him there, but I do pity him just because pity. of how yep. s- mm-hmm. how sad it is to hear him say that. 
and then um, Drogo rips off his belt, melts it in a pot. Which I don't, which I don't know the whole physics behind that. I don't know if that's actually possible. To melt that it's thing. possible, but it would not happen that quickly. quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, gold is extremely the- soft and malleable. It would definitely melt. But I mean, of course, they don't give you a timeline in here. Um, but in the show, it's like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, no, <laughs> right. it would take like 30 minutes, I think. <laughs> but as my grandpa says, it's in the script. So yep. um, then I just want to also note that, um, before Drogo dumps the gold on Viserys that they hand him mittens. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of funny. Like, I'm like, yeah. that totally makes sense. He's like, it's like this is a boiling pot. He's going to need some mittens, but. I just, I just, I'm just trying to imagine him trying to put on mittens when his hands are probably the size of dinner plates. Like. Right. <laughs> no. yep. And I like how, like, right as all this is going down, and she, like you've said, like, she's already said, like, the, the man who used to be my brother, so she's already kind of, like, cut herself off of that. When Drogo is, like, coming over to, like, do it, she's not like, oh, shit. She looks up and says... And the son of her life reached out. Like, she's like, ah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, she's viewing him as not like, oh, and Cal Drogo came over and grabbed the pot. No. And she's, the way she sees it is the son of her life. Like, from, I was just like, I thought that was interesting that she is looking at him with nothing but uh, affection at this moment. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I think that just shows how deep she is in, yep. in, the, in this marriage and how much she has cut Viserys off for what he has done. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she's threatened to kill his ch- her child, and she's yep. full-on mama bear, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, um, that's the end of this chapter. Um, it's it's a dang good chapter. It's, I don't know, it's just, his death is very, just, like, shocking and just so, like, holy crap, like, Name another character good. in literature who's it was been written so well. Gold, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Like this um, book, you guys, yep. is so good. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's just there's not <laughs> one moment where you're like, well, that was boring or that was lame or I can't wait to get back to so and so's chapter. No, at the end of every chapter, you're like, damn, this is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, did you guys have any last minute thoughts on Danny Five before we move on? Not I me. I, um, got, I, I got through pretty much all my. The only little thing I had towards the end was the shift that happened so quickly from Viserys and trying to appease him and him being her brother to him not being her brother. It just, like, down the road, you can definitely see where it shows that her personality can be quite extreme. And she has a black and white mentality. Like, you're either Mm -hmm. with her or you're against her. And, like, this is that first glimpse of that that you see. Mm, Thank thank you for pointing that out. Because that that is something... With us, with us um, seeing the last season of Game of Thrones and seeing what she ends up doing, which could possibly still happen in these books, I think it is kind of important for us to kind of read these books with that sort of yep. lens in our mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, and that that definitely is a moment. I mean, I mean, it is for it's, sure. It's, it's like a light switch. I mean, right. Well, and we've we've talked about this a few times tonight, but I think it's interesting to go through these books with a mentality of looking for characters who are probably suffering from mental illness and or just mental stress and it we've talked about this in danny's previous chapters of just this book that like she's a massive victim but she also you know she's been abused but she also has instances where she definitely stands up for her abuser and all of these things are good things to note when 
there is a possibility at the end of the story that she could literally just go batshit crazy. Like that's, you know, that's not uncommon for someone who was abused and then had, you know, stood up for their abuser and went through this huge cycle of, of, of trauma and stress and, you know, mental illness to have a breaking point. So it's definitely something to note. Like you said, that's a, that's a breaking point. I think for her just to, just to turn that switch off and go, you know, you're dead to me and I, and show no emotion as she watches an extremely brutal, grotesque murder. <laughs> um, just the thought I last minute thought I just had was, I think it's interesting how Danny is just like, yeah, take the dragon eggs, like just give them to him. But when it comes to her child, he, she's like, I'm going to kill you for what you just did. Mm-hmm. But later in the books, after, after the moment that her son is killed, the first thing she thinks of, think of is her dragons. Yeah, bring me the dragon eggs. Later on. There's that yep. shift of like, now it's the dragons. The dragons yep. are her children now. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's just, just an interesting thought I had there. Um, all right, cool. Why don't we head on to uh, chapter 47, which is Eddard 13. 13. To end out the night on. So this is the chapter where Robert Baratheon dies. And... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! I know, didn't even see it coming. Man, two, two, two possibly two possible Mad Kings killed in a row. <laughs> yeah, and this book is just chocked full of deaths. Pretty much. Like so, like from here on out, it's like several major deaths. I mean, a lot for one book. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, this the death of Robert Baratheon occurs. Uh, he writes his will out, which will name Eddard as protector of the realm. And then we kind of get the aftermath of his death uh, in terms of, uh, you know, who's going to take the throne. A lot of a lot of different propositions are put forth to Ned to try and make a move. And we're going to talk about those right now. So, um, so uh, chapter starts out with Ned having a dream in the Winterfell crypts. And it says um, he's he's walked down there a thousand times before. The kings of winter watched him pass with eyes of ice, and the dire wolves at their feet turned their great stone heads and snarled. Uh, last of all, he came to the tomb where his father slept with Brandon and Lyanna beside him. Promise me, Ned! <laughs> Lyanna's Le- statue whispered. Um, why do you think these statues of the king kings of winter are looking so disapproving at Ned <laughs> at this moment. Like, I, th- I think we might have had a discussion like this before because I feel like this has occurred before as well. But wh- why do you think they look at Ned and are disappointed? Hmm. Any thoughts? You know, I had a hard time with this because uh, the word disappointing is just kind of a trick. I don't, I can't mm-hmm. quite place it. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, we all kind of agree that Ned has made some poor choices, so maybe, <laughs> yeah, the, maybe the they only, can see the writing on the wall. But I don't think that's why he put that word the only, there. The only thing I could think of, um, I think this is the answer I gave last time, was possibly they're lo- they were looking at Ned when he made the de- like back when he made the decision to be hand of the king and to head south. Maybe it was the kings of winter looking upon him and it's like you should not be going south. Does not you shouldn't be there. It's yeah. not important there. What's important is up here in the north and what is occurring. Like death is coming and you should have you should be up here to take care of it. That's kinda yeah. that's really my that's, thing I like I that. that's kinda what that- I thought too. And my only other thought was maybe you know, we we've learned that so far just because it's a dream doesn't make it true. 
So I wonder if it's just subconsciously, there's so many things that Ned feels guilty for. It feels like he's failing, feels like he's doing something wrong. So I wonder if it's just, it could just be so something as simple as his subconscious is going, you know, you've caused all these problems. You've left Winterfell alone. And, you know, you know, kind of the same thing that you said, Harrison, that the, because you left, you're opening up Winterfell and your family to so many problems that, that in his mind, oops, sorry, in his mind, <laughs> um, he's projecting that guilt onto these statues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like that. That put, that makes us feel a little more real, you know, because I mean, not all dreams have to be prophetic. I mean, usually if they're in a book and the author purposely put it there, I think we naturally think to it, but yeah, I mean, this could just be almost a PTSD moment of his, yeah. of him. he's like, I'm not living up to what I should be doing right now. Something I'd like to do at some point is is gather up all of the dreams and even just anything anything from the text that has to do with the crypts because there are a lot of dreams and a lot of mentions, memories, and even actual physical experiences in the crypts. And just put them all together and read them all at once because... I mean, there's definitely something going on. Like John has a lot of similar dreams to this um, as well. And so I would, I think it'd be interesting just to pile them all up together and just compare. And it, I think it'd be an interesting little, little read that would, that just to read. Because be there's a lot of dreams and memories we'll, that involve the crypts. We'll just start brewing up stuff for, for special episodes. <laughs> I'm, sure we can, I'm sure we can pull up some ideas. We'll be doing this till we're a hundred. So, um, he's woke, waking up. Uh, we learned that he sleeps in the nude. Go you, Ned. And, um, <laughs> Robert has requested his presence. He has returned back from the hunt. And Ned's just like, all right, I'll get dressed. He's like, let's what, do this. The only note I do have, I find it interesting that he keeps the Valerian steel dagger on him. Like, that's the cat's paw dagger, the one that was sent after, that was used against his son. And I don't know, I, I think it might be like, kind of that constant reminder of like this is why i'm doing this This is why you're here yeah like my son was you know could have died because of what occurred here and i need to find the truth because of it that's that's kind of how i viewed it yeah um he heads off to magar's holdfast which is a very strong fortified castle within uh the red keep and that's where that's where robert is at at the moment uh he arrives and let's see he arrives. He finds that Robert has been injured on his hunt very brutally. I think it. I think it says that it's the boar tore him from his groin up to his nipple. Just, I mean, just. Yeah. <laughs> later on, later on, Renly talks about how like the boar charged him, and literally with his gut spilling out of him, he ended up killing the boar, which Robert <laughs> is very proud of, by the way. I think yeah. this is the most pretty badass. If I if I if someone asked me what kind of a character is Robert Baratheon, I would say Robert Baratheon is the guy who is proud of killing a boar even though the boar killed him. <laughs> like, yeah, he's a guy. Well, at least I got him. No, pretty much. He's he's literally like, didn't I get it? Did you see that, Renly? Totally stabbed him in the eye. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's literally like, yeah. I mean, I'm dead, but who's eating who at a funeral right now? Like, <laughs> like I got the last burn. He's the guy with the cast on his leg, and he's like, dude, check it out. Check this thing out on my GoPro. Like, I just made this sweet yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I like how kind of 
upfront it is about it. Like it talks about how the room smelled of death and Robert, Robert knows it too. Like he, yeah. there's no like moment where he's like, Oh, I, I could be fine. He's just like, no, I can smell it. I know I'm dying. Yeah. I know what's happening. And it's just, I don't know. It, it's very real feeling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So they're meeting there. Like Cersei and Renly are there. Sir Bearson is outside the door. Pycelle's taking care of him, and Robert's basically like, "Get the hell out of all uh, out of here! I need to talk to Ned alone." And one of the first things he talks to him about is he starts to express regret over his decision to send an assassin after Danny. Yeah, I thought that was weird. It's it's pretty. I don't know, like, it's just kind of an awakening moment for him, you know? I mean, I've never been on my deathbed, shockingly, because I'm still here. But, I don't know, maybe it's just one of those, like, he's kind of realizing his mistakes. Like, he, he even comes out and says things along uh, along the lines of, like, I was worse than Daenerys. Like, I've done so many things, and that's all they're going to remember me for. And Ned can't it's funny, because she's like, well, I mean, like, not worse than Ares. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He totally He's like, not like you were great or yeah. no, you're way better. He's like, I mean, not worse. Yeah, you weren't as bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like twenty five percent. Like it's fine, <laughs> pretty much. But but yeah. So like, what do you guys think about him feeling remorse over this? Do you think he's just having like a you know end of his life crisis? You know, like well, so again, it took them two days to get him back to the castle. So he had all of that. Time sit there in pain you know basically knowing that it's the end and just to think about all the things in his life that he's done right that he's done wrong and I think you see that a lot on your uh, uh, you know on people's deathbed they make amends you know they 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 fix the fights with family and they you know they just want peace at the end that's his way of trying to just finally have some sort of again peace in his life you know he he knows it's the end and he's trying to make up things mm-hmm. yeah and then it, it's really sad to hear later on we learn that ned kind of tells various like hey like kind of you know don't send the assassin get that word back and various is like look the, the the word's already out and it's just kind of, it's really it's kind of tough if robert knew about that you know it's the it's the one time we kind of see him almost like a human with regret and yeah. Even then, it's too late. And it's too late. Yeah. It's his death is his death is pretty sad. Like th- this reading through this with you guys has definitely kind of shown my eyes to like, wow, Robert is actually quite a terrible person, and her, I'm, I'm starting to not like him. But this is just really tough to read, just because it's like, man, like we're losing this guy. Like yeah. he's gone. He, I'm not going to yeah, get another he's chapter. Not, of him. He realizes he's been a terrible person. I know. Like, yeah, yeah. I said the same. Like I honestly. I always kind of loved Robert until this read through and not, again, like I couldn't tell you why it's not like you ever did anything good. He was just so dang likable. But when you really analyze every word he says and every choice he makes and like his, his just his flippant mindset and how lazy and irresponsible he is like analyzing it with you guys has made me be like, I'm sorry, Bobby, but like you suck, <laughs> but on well, his deathbed, like it is pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because as someone who watched the show first, I mean, the way Bobby B was played, you know, he was like, ah, 
you know, he might not lovable. be king, but he's a lovable guy. You know, how could you blame him? But the, reading this, it's like, no, you you really kind of sucked as king. <laughs> like, Pretty much. It's true. So, um, so we get that remorseful moment, and then um, Robert's like, hey, grab a, grab a quill and ink. Let's, let's, let's bang out my real work. Let's get to work, my yeah. My will real quick. And um, the most Robert, also n- another moment that's so Robert, where he's like, uh, this is the will and word of Robert of House Baratheon, the first of his name, king of the Andals, and all the rest. Just put down the damn time. Yada, 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 you know. <laughs> yada, yada, you, you know what to do there. And uh, he names uh, Ned Stark as... Uh, protector of the realm and Lord Regent until his son becomes of age. And we get this inner struggle of Ned where he, instead of writing Joffrey, he writes his heir. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of just incredible. Like, I mean, it, it's just a few sent- sentences, but just, I, I, I can just almost see Ned in his mind. Just like, just tearing like you're him. a liar you're a liar i mean th- <laughs> this this is his i don't know this is the first big lie he's told like the only other lie i can think of is him saying that oh i was the one who told catelyn to capture Tyrion. right but even then that was i feel like he did that out of i don't want my wife to have this it was protective yeah right yeah he was protective of her this is his first like lie that he's telling and i'm sure he hates every second of it Oh but yeah. He writes yeah, he writes down, you know, when my heir becomes beige and when they're ready for it. So that opens up the fact that you know, you know, in terms of Ned's view, Stannis would be the next heir to the throne. Um, you know, I don't know, it just it opens up that that avenue for Stannis to come in and take that spot. Um let's see. So that happens. Da, da, da. Then Ro- Robert's basically like, yeah, this is when Robert's like, "Look, Ned, you're going to rule and you're going to do great." Like, you're going to be a great king. You're going to hate it more than I hated it. But this kingdom's going to be better because of you. And then we get the, his remorseful moment of, like, I was worse than I was worse than Eris. Like, which, is, which is also really tough because when Robert went to go get Ned, it felt very like, hey, you, me, down in King's Landing, we're going to rock this thing. People are going to be singing about this for years. It's going to be a great time. And it's just like, man, nothing changed. Like, nothing good. It got worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just got worse. I mean, so sad. Yeah, there's, it'll be sung of, but not in a good way. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> right. terrible. Um, Robert, Robert then signs the letter. And a big difference between the show and this was that there was witnesses. Probably the mm-hmm. two worst witnesses you could grab, <laughs> but there were. Because he brings in Pycelle, who's totally on Cersei's side, and he's not going to, you know, witness against them. And Renly, who, while he he is on Robert's side, he he doesn't get Ned's support, as we'll learn later on, and he ends up leaving. And it's just like, man, like, that just, that didn't do anything to have them there. I know. Um, it's tough, it's tough. Um, all, then, um... Then basically Robert ends up taking a drink of milk of the poppy and is basically like, all right, like I'm, I'm going to die here. He asked Ned, like, will I dream? I, I, I like that. I like this part because I feel like it kind of shows us like people in Westeros believe in an afterlife. And I feel like it kind of shows sort of how religious Ned is. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, you'll see my sister later, you know, in the next life. And I don't know, just kind of, I don't know. It was kind of a cool, like little, spiritual moment i guess you could say 
Give me something for the pain and let me die is like one of my favorite lines. <laughs> I love it. I maybe because there's so many funny memes that come off of it, like like where it's like, oh, me on Monday morning, give me something for the pain and let me die. Like <laughs> or like when my my kid wakes up at three AM, you know, it's like I love that meme so much. So <laughs> pretty much. Um well, I feel like there was one more thing before he heads out. Oh oh yeah, um, then, then, then we get that moment that we mentioned beforehand, where Robert, you know, says like, "Look out for my children." You know, that's the moment that we oh, kind yeah. of have the hint of like, okay, he he has warm warm feelings towards them. He does care about their well being, and I like how Ned has to justify his lie right here. Yeah, because this, this like shows it wouldn't be that lies. hard to just be like, "Okay, buddy, whatever you say, go right? on and die now." <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I can almost imagine him saying that. Like Robert's like. Ned promised me you'll take care of my kids. And Ned just has that pause moment. And then he thinks, yes, I will take care of your children. I know. <laughs> you know? I also thought it was funny. Like, like, Ned gets keeps getting caught up in these deathbed promises. Promise me, Ned. Promise me, Ned. Everyone's like, promise me. He's like, geez, how many deathbed <laughs> promises do I have to juggle here? Pretty much. Yeah, no. I will say, people put a lot of responsibility on Ned. Which isn't healthy. Um. No if you take into the fact problems. his mental his mental state right. at the moment. Um, but yeah, just to clarify, when when he says yes, I'll take care of your children, he's referring to Robert's bastards. Like he he basically thinks like yeah, I'll take care of your ba- your bastard children. That's that's yeah, what your actual children. <laughs> yeah, your actual ones, right? So, um, Ned basically leaves Robert to to die, and he run he talks to Barris and Selmy outside the door, and we do get this moment of. Selby. Selby's basically feeling a lot of remorse because if you think about it, that's two kings who have died under his watch. You got the mad. It's king like you had one job, Selmy. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and, and we'll really, you this. have one job: protect the king. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, we do end up getting Barris and Selmy uh, point of views. Is it? Is it in Winds of Winter? I think it is. No, uh, there are some in Winds of Winter. <coughs> that will actually get his point of view, but that we learn more about Barris and Selmy's background. And this is, a, this is, while it's a small moment here, if we were in Selmy's mind, it would be a pretty big character moment for him because this, yeah. this does tear him up. You know, he's, he's a very loyal, honorable knight. He takes his vows seriously and he feels like he completely failed them with both these two, two Kings passing away under his watch. Um, then Varys just kind of pops up <laughs> like out of nowhere. <laughs> And is they're kind of talk. He's they're talking about like, oh, what happened? And Varys is like, <laughs> oh, it was so good of Lancel to make sure our our great king had, you know, his his skin of wine was full of wine all the time, always fetching yeah. for him. What a great lad! <laughs> and, and it's like, it's it's like I said last week. It's like, has Varys ever given him bad advice or told him something that was steering him wrong? Because I'm always like, listen to Varys. He's trying to tell you clues. <laughs> now, the reason Ned doesn't like Varys is because he isn't straightforward and always has double meanings and expects people to like read between the lines. And yeah, that's annoying. But I'm like, stop listening to Littlefinger and start listening to Varys. <laughs> That, that that is true. Yeah, Varys Varys definitely isn't very forward, and I don't know. Maybe Ned's just a little little too strong-headed. Maybe he's just like, look, just tell me what you want, and stop doing this whole, yeah, you know, in the shadows Riddles thing. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so 
Uh, we get that moment, and then Ned heads out of Megar's hold fast. And this is where we get the kind of the first proposition towards Ned to, as as a solution to what's occurring. Mm-hmm. Renly comes out to Ned while he's standing on the bridge to Megar's hold fast. And I and just I just want to say I like the pos- the position of this conversation. So you got Ned and Renly in the middle of the bridge. You got two Kingsguard on either side, and then below them is this moat that's just full of spikes and swords. And it feels very like, like Ned, you're about to make a decision of either you're with Renly or you're dead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just that image of of this pit below them. Of like yeah. Death. And something interesting about Magor's Holdfast, which is like they're leaving Magor's Holdfast right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was. A Targaryen king, I think it was, I'd have to get my book back out. Uh, I think it was Viserys II. And he found himself in a similar situation that Robert's in right now. He died and he named his true-born daughter heir of the, you know, kingdom. Like she was going to inherit everything as queen. And instead, the mother, who I guess was the second, or the, the, the queen who was the second wife, um, had the daughter murdered so that her son could be, um, you know, take the take the throne. Oh. It's just kind of an interesting, like kind of a similar story of being like because they they had the um, the rightful heir, the princess who was to become queen. They had her like seized, and then they like swooped in and took everything over, which is kind of what Renly's trying to like get Ned to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting. interesting. I like it. Um, so. Uh, him and Renly have this conversation and Renly's basically like, look, I have X amount of men. I can get more. We can, we need to move now. We need to get Cersei's children, have them in our possession. Then we can control her and we can place, I don't, I can't remember if he, who he wants on the throne. I can't remember if he says you, Ned, be on the throne or himself. I don't think he ends up saying himself, but you know, he proposed this and Ned's base Ned, I feel like this is this is a big moment for him. I feel like he does have a PTSD moment here. Because it's very similar to the whole Rhaegar's children situation. Ned's basically like, Look, your brother's not even dead and we're already talking yeah. about tearing children out of their beds mm-hmm. and holding them hostage. And I don't know, it just that just kinda goes all against of what Ned is about. You know, like you're asking, you're asking a man to do something that literally last chapter we learned all about that. He's having nightmares about it still. (laughs) Yeah. He's having nightmares about it. He just had a conversation with Cersei to get those children out in safety. And now you're asking him to, instead of putting them in safety, to put them into danger. Right. So when this. And it's funny how it's like everyone is like, oh yeah, you didn't know that. We all knew that. Littlefinger, Renly, they're like, yeah, those aren't Robert's kids. <laughs> and I'm sure Ned's over there thinking like, did everyone know this except for me? Like, why did you, why did you let me figure this out on my own? <laughs> why did it take so long? <laughs> and it's like, but like you think that Renly especially would like pull them aside and be like, I am so glad you're here. I know you have my brother's best interest at heart. Let me tell you everything I know. This is important. It's, you're going to need to know this. But instead, Renly just let him spend the whole book figuring it out himself. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I feel like I feel like Renly felt that the Baratheon claim to the throne was in a strong position because we got to remember that Renly. Um, had a scheme of his own he was plan he was planning he was planning on getting 
Marjorie Tyrell up to mm-hmm. King's Landing, have yep. her marry Robert, and then kick Cersei out. Yeah. And I feel like, who? I, I don't know, that plan might have been in motion at this moment. Because they still should have told Ned what was going, like what he yeah, knew. It would have yeah, been, I feel it would have like. helped out. I think because <laughs> Renly knew. Renly knows that Ned's truly a true friend to Robert, and he would definitely support, especially if like if if it was a you know Cersei has his false claim. Like Ned definitely would have supported his plan. Maybe not that exact plan, but like mm. he would have been a good ally. There's no benefit to keeping him in the dark that I can think of. Right. Well, well. also, just, I mean, I think we're having a, sort of a moment like this, too, where, so so Ned is like, no, we're not going to do that. And Renly's like, fine, and he leaves. And then we even have that moment where Ned's like, maybe I should have kept Renly near me. Because yeah, he, he should have. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and that's, that's, this is definitely a moment that we can blame Ned. It's like, look, he didn't even think ahead. He didn't yeah. think of, like, hey, you know, having a small army in King's Landing would actually be very profitable right now, especially yeah. since I don't have most of my men around me anymore. Like, it's funny. I think like I can imagine when he like finds out that Robert is like fatally wounded and him going like having a flashback to the gods with the Cersei and being like, Oh shit, 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 shit. shit. <laughs> I did not think ahead. I did not think ahead. Why, you know, like, just, I could see it being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Because, yeah, he, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because as you're about to tell us, Littlefinger comes in next. Like, he's presented with, honestly, two pretty good plans. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, Littlefinger does show up after he gets back to the Tower of the Hand. Let's see. Did, uh, well, actually, Ned actually asks for Littlefinger. Yeah. Yeah. We got to remember that. Third party out yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's like, look, go find him, and if you can't find him where you think he is, go to every single wine house, go to every whore house, mm-hmm. and find him. So, this is Ned. He's trusting Littlefinger, which is never a good thing. And <laughs> I mean, it, it leads to his doom, as you know. This is the start of it right here. So, yep. um, so so he sends out the search party to get Littlefinger. Before that occurs, he brings Tom in, and they're talking about how are they going to get. Um, Ned and his children back to Winterfell. They're going to take a ship. They're going to sail back up to White Harbor and then ride to Winterfell. On the way there, he um he's like, look, Tom, you need to stop by Dragonstone. You need to give this letter that I'm going to be writing right now to Stannis. Because Stannis should be here and he's not. And I need to update him on all this information, basically. So he sits down, writes out that letter. And... um. Then Littlefinger shows up. Um, we we get this moment where Littlefinger's still playing games, where he's like, "Oh, I've heard you've been, you know, you, you're, you've been declared as the protector of the realm." And that's like, "How did you know about that?" And Littlefinger's like, "Well, you just confirmed it, <laughs> basically. Like you're from Paris, and you just confirmed it. by the way." It's like yeah. always with the jokes. Like, doesn't he know how to like read a room and be like, "Now's all the time to be being all like snarky." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Littlefinger's very bad at that. He's that guy who's always telling those really inappropriate jokes that you're just like, dude, not... <laughs> yeah, not, not, not in front of my grandma. You know? yeah, not, like, he's the guy who would, like, make a joke at a funeral that is just, like, beyond inappropriate. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, dude, like, it's my mom or whatever. <laughs> um, so Littlefinger comes in. Um, he t- Ned reveals that he knows the secret of John, what, J- what John Aaron died for, that 
Jamie and Cersei are having sex and having kids, and Littlefinger's like, oh, that's so shocking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Another one who should have probably filled him in. Yeah, right? Um, so then, then they're trying to figure out what to do, and Littlefinger proposes this plan. Basically, he, he wants to put Ned on the throne, keep Joffrey nearby, and kind of raise him up. At, you know, maybe we can... He's like, basically, maybe we can get Joffrey to be a good king. Maybe we can kind of mentor him and we can mold him to what we want. And if it turns out we can't, we'll just reveal his secret that he's a bastard child and we'll kill him. Which is, which is pretty brutal. And then um, and then Ned's basically like, no, we're not going to do that. It's still Stannis, a better plan than Ned's plan. <laughs> basically, Ned's plan is Stannis is the heir. Yeah. Now, the one, the big mistake I would say Ned had here was that Little, basically this. Littlefinger basically says, "Hey, I don't want Stannis as king. He's not going to be good for me. He's going to kick me out, and I'm going to be out of power. I don't want him as king." Ned's like, "No, we're going to put him as king." Then Littlefinger's <laughs> like, "Okay, why don't you trust me to help you do that?" <laughs> yeah, and it's like he just told you he has no real motive to help you. So why, like? <laughs> It doesn't make yeah. sense to trust him at all. Yeah, it's yeah, it's he's about to lose his job because of the choice you're making. You really think you still have his loyalty, right? And then <laughs> I, I feel like Ned, like I said, I think Ned just didn't plan very well in brushing <laughs> off Renly and his in his small army in King's Landing. That was a big mistake. And then I feel like that led him to think, okay, well, I can't have Renly. I'll take Littlefinger and he can get me the gold cloaks. Because Littlefinger offers like, hey, I'll pay the gold cloaks, whatever they need, and they'll be on our side. I don't know, maybe it was just like a desperation move on Ned's part. He's like, okay, well, yeah. I do need an army and this, and I can get this one. And it's just... It's, it's just such a bad situation. Because, well, we also gotta remember, I mean, like, I mean, Ned's thinking on the fly at this point as well. Yeah. You know, like, he didn't expect Robert to be dead. He didn't think that could ever happen, not in a million years. And so he's thinking on the fly, and he just isn't taking enough time to kind of weigh his options. So, I mean, let's just kind of... We can wrap it up pretty quick. Quick, It's getting a little late, and I know Brooke needs to go to bed. <laughs> but, um, um, okay, so we have Renly's plan. Renly wants to grab his army and some, probably some of the Tyrell army that's in town take the children hostage and probably imprison Cersei or do something with her. Maybe kill her. I don't know. Do you think that is something that could have worked? Yes. Yes? Because Renly, Renly has the backing of the Tyrells. Yeah. Ned has the backing of the, west of the rest of Westeros, pretty much, except for Casterly Rock. So yes. it's basically, at this point, all of Westeros against the Lannisters. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the because right the North can rally the Riverlands and like I mean, like we're about to find out like they can pretty much gather a pretty impressive force. So mm. there's really not a downside because of, and they don't have he, like Ned doesn't have to go straight to I'm not going to kill those kids. Like put them in a cell and we'll get to that later. But right. confine like them. Reading, light reading for yeah. them too. Confine yeah. them. It doesn't even have to be a dungeon. You can give them a nice cell if you want to. <laughs> like put confine them and then you get time to think. Like mm -hmm. that's the perfect Slow plan. You just bought yourself time. Slow everything down 
And then you have the back, you have the Baratheons and the Tyrells right there ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then by the time that Tyrell or Ty- Tywin actually organizes his forces and comes for you, you could have, like we said, the Riverlands and, you know, the North. And I mean, there's, they wouldn't stand a chance. Like that's, it was the best plan for sure. <laughs> I think, I think it's definitely a good plan. I think him presenting it to Ned just wasn't actually, I, I don't know. Really he was a little hasty with his presentation. Soon, yeah. 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 I think that's yeah. it because I, I don't know how, I don't know how much information Renly knows about Robert's rebellion in terms of the Rhaegar's children being killed. He probably knows about it, but maybe he just doesn't understand that Ned is suffering trauma because of it. Right. Because, it like if we, like you know we're very like Ned should have done this Ned should have done this but if we think about let's if we change it to Renly's perspective on it, I think him going to Ned in that hasty moment and it's just like let's capture the kids and let's let's do yeah this it was now. definitely not no couth I mean he's literally walking out of his death room and he just like rushes him and he's like hey I got a plan and he's like wait a second he's not even dead yet and well, you want me to imprison his children like like start a war and he's not even dead yet. Like it was definitely bad timing. <laughs> yeah. I think he was almost offended. Like it talked about how, you know, all of a sudden the grief <clears throat> really started to hit Ned and the realization that his best friend was going to be dot, you know, dead soon. And then all of a sudden Renly's just like, Hey, he's what's dead next, yet, but let's, let's put these plans into action. I think he was almost offended, you know, setting the whole children, you know, t- you know, taking the children hostage and setting all that aside. I think he was just offended. Like, you know, let the man die in peace. You know. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I mean, I mean, it's also. I just told him I'd protect his children, and I don't think he meant throw them in a dungeon. Like. Right. <laughs> well, like just the other thing we have to think of is so Renly was with Robert when this occurred, when he was injured, and it took him two days to get them to King's Landing. So mm-hmm. I'm sure during that whole time, Renly is kind of prepping in his brain. Of right. He's he had time. Right. But the big question mark in Renly's mind is Ned. Like, he's like, I need to find out what Ned is going to do because he has a big role in this. He's the hand of the king. He controls a lot of things that's go- that goes around here. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Renly was just so, he might have been just so anxious that he's like, I'm literally going to talk to you in the middle of this bridge with two Kingsguard standing right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. You know, he's just like, I don't like as long as we can talk quietly, I don't care where we're at. Let's just do it now. Oh, I'm sneezing. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so yeah, I think I think Renly was just really hasty to the point where he wasn't right. thinking very clearly. So um, I'm gonna follow Agreed. the fact that I think it was a good plan. The thought of using children as a hostage to get this solved is a little kind of a bad taste in my mouth, but Again, that's something that is just all about. It was, in the end, it was the best choice. Because like I said, he didn't have to kill him. But having them as a hostage is a very valuable, like as we learn later, like um, like when Jamie Lannister is a hostage, like having a hostage is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So having, you know, Cersei and three children, three Lannister children as hostage probably would have given them like a, you know, pretty a pretty decent edge. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, another um, thought yeah. is that you know Theon Greyjoy, he's considered a hostage. He's well, he's he's called a ward, but he's basically a hostage. So basically, Ned kind of Ned even understands like, look, just because you hold them hostage doesn't mean you're like you know have a knife at their throat twenty four seven. Right. You know, so 
it's 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 kind of, it's, it's a tough balance act in, to me. So the next plan we get is that Littlefinger wants to put Ned on the throne and have Joffrey as kind of his kind of the heir that puppet. they're gonna yeah. train and yeah, the little puppet. And then basically Ned's basically Littlefinger's like, yeah, and if it doesn't happen, we'll just get rid of him. Yeah, it's like use him for as long as he's useful to us, and then when he stops being useful or becomes problematic, then we have this ace in the hole, this list, you know, this letter that says that he's not, you know. Oh, it doesn't say son. It says air. Bye. Mm -hmm. Now, okay. Now, do you think that's a good plan at all? Do you think that would have worked? It's not as good as Renly's plan, right? Mm -hmm. I I kind of agree. But it's that, still so... better than do nothing yeah. and write a letter to Stannis. <laughs> do nothing and hope Cersei doesn't really care so, and write okay, a letter. To, to go back to sorry to go back to Renly's plan. I I am curious as to how. Stannis would have reacted to it or how Renly and Stannis would have figured out what to do. You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, we got we got the Lannisters taken care of, but now we have this struggle of Ned brother Ned's v. There, brother who wants yep. Stannis and Stannis wants the throne, but Renly wants the throne. And I think we might have just had a, almost a little civil war maybe later on. Maybe? I don't yeah, know. probably. There's a lot of what ifs there. Yep. But yeah. Like, I've thought about that before too. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I mean, they come to blows in the very next book. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're both, they're both, they both have the same enemy, but they spend time fighting each other. It's, man, it's, I, I a, also, good, it's a good scene in the book, though. So. I thought it was interesting that Ned is just blindly throwing his support behind Stannis when Stannis was with John Aaron, learned about the secret, and just ran off. Yeah, yeah, just disappeared. Ned tried to get in contact with him, tried to get him to come back to court. <laughs> He's like, new phone, who dis? <laughs> yeah. yeah so it, I just think it's interesting that he is so yeah. supportive of Stannis taking the throne when he doesn't even know if he can really trust Stannis. He's only trusting right. John Aaron. Did. Yeah. And I think it's just supposed to be Robert's brother. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a by the book kind of attitude that Ned mm -hmm. has. It's like, yeah, like there's well, a certain way you like, do things. Yeah, see, he's like, look, step three failed, so now we go to step four, and that says Stannis's heir. I don't care right. what else, it's Stannis's heir. Yeah. So I think that's just kind of who Ned is, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of debate whether Stannis would be a good king. That's a whole that's a soft topic, by the way. <laughs> oh my goodness, but we'll get to that another time. Um, but yeah, no, I would say if Renly's plan was brought about, done in the right way, I think that could have been a good move on Ned's part. Especially, like, even just, even if Ned was just like, okay, we're not going to do that now, but we're going to do something. We have to do something. Stay mm -hmm. in King's Landing and help me, and we can figure yeah. this out. Yeah. If he said that, Ned would have been in a way better position. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. way better. Yeah, you who's just like, you know what? I like it. Good plan. Let's talk about it tomorrow over dinner. <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> right? Like, Pretty much. Well, just the other thing like is... Pencil! I, the thing is this, so... Let's just put Littlefinger in the ring for a second here, because Littlefinger has a big part to play in this, because he has control of the City of Watch. If... Let's say... Let's say Stannis... I mean, let's say uh, Ned did get Renly to stay in King's Landing. I think... Littlefinger would have sided with Renly at that time because if because if Littlefinger could put Renly on the throne, I think Littlefinger would feel very safe because uh -huh. they're both on the council together. Mm -hmm. I feel like Littlefinger, yeah, you know, he kind of feels tight, like I can, so. yeah, he's already tight with him, so he's like, look, like 
So, so yeah, I think, yeah, when I, the more I think about it, Dane, you guys, you're changing my views on things. Um, the more <laughs> I think about it. had both of them come to dinner the next night. <laughs> there you go. And I could have made the perfect yeah. version of both of their plans. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, because the reason the reason the plan doesn't work in the next few chapters we'll read is because Littlefinger betrays Ned. That's, yep. that's the moment. And I think it's because yeah. Ned was so eager to, like, ne like, Littlefinger told him, like, well, this is the part of this equation that's important to me. And something a good boss needs to do is put himself in this, you know, employee's position and be like, I don't, like, power's not important to me, Ned Stark, so I don't get it. But I know it's important to other people. Like Littlefinger, who worked his way up from the bottom. Like, he should have realized that that would have been enough to turn him against him. And so, like, he expressed that to him. Like, hey, you know, if Stannis comes on board, we're both losing our jobs. And instead of Ned being like, well, that's not what's important, I think he really should have taken that into consideration that, like, uh, Littlefinger's not going to give that up without fighting. And so, like, that was a pretty, a pretty foolish move, as far as I'm concerned, was not realizing that Littlefinger was not going to give that up without a fight. Most definitely. Well, well, hey, um, it's getting a little late, so I think we're going to wrap it up. Unless all you guys right. have any last little thoughts you wanted to share before we close out. That's all I Good? have. I don't. All right. Well, hey, guys, that was that was awesome. That was fun. Five that, points to all of us. That was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so next week we are going to be doing another show where we're going to discuss the next three chapters in a game of thrones and those will be chapters 48 49 and 50 that will cover uh john six which i believe that's where he gets the assignment to become a steward in the night's watch and we mm -hmm. get that oh it was so much better than all you life it's isn't better. fair <laughs> Then chapter 49, which is Eddard 15, and this is mm -hmm. where the betrayal, the little finger betrays Ned. And then chapter 50 is Arya, Arya. 4. Wow, only 4. That kind of blows my mind. Mm -hmm. um, this, is, this is where she's training with Sirio. They come for her. Sirio fights them off. So we get to discuss if Sirio Pharrell is alive next week. And, um, and then, um, I don't know, actually... Actually, this chapter for Arya is huge because th that occurs and she ends up killing her first person mm -hmm. and she sees the, the Winterfell guards being killed. I mean, it's, it's going to be good next week. People. Yep. Yay! Alright, guys. Well, All hey, right. I think we're wrapped up for the night. Have a good night. Have a good week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.